Boy, what's there to say that hasn't already been said? Let's give it a try. Episode 8 of Light the Sky Podcast, The Pink Floyd Chronicles. Dark Side of the Moon, welcome. If you are listening to us for the first time, uh, we are four friends who explore some of the greatest musical artists, uh, making music that is just forever preserved on tape for generations of people to enjoy. And we go track by track, album by album, reviewing all of it, loving, flushing, buying, or terminating each of it, trying to convince each other, and ultimately picking the best 30 seconds that represent each album. Uh, None of us grew up in this era of music. We don't have any nostalgia bias. Honestly, in reading a lot of the reviews of this album, it was really hard to find a good critical review that did not start, well, in 1973. I was 11, and, you know, it's really, I think, uh, important to step back and try to evaluate it, especially with artists that have such a catalog of music. Um, and that's that's the show. It's a show of opinions. It's, uh, you know, we don't have any nostalgia bias. We're not here to kiss bands' butts, and uh, we hope to entertain you along the way. So making a movie on each album, essentially. Stick around. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up for this album, considering that it is one of the cornerstone albums, I think. Uh, I would call it maybe the third cornerstone album album uh, behind Van Halen and Van Halen 1 and Metallica's Black album. Dark Side of the Moon, I think, eclipses both of them um, in terms of sheer popularity. So it's going to be a good one. Uh, Does it live up to the hype? Let's find out. Let's take it away. Who's first? I forget. I was uh, um, texting earlier uh, our order. It's inverse. Alex, did you have it? Yeah, it's going to go. It's going to go Chris, Kevin, Mark, Alex. So I'm assuming I'm going to be going first on this one, right? Yeah, so throw right away. Uh, give us your out of 10, your opening statement, and uh, let's see what uh, kind of flexibility you might have. Okay, well, uh, apologies if I'm kind of repeating myself here, but I'm approaching this as we might have a lot of first-time listeners uh, on this episode, so I, I guess I'll repeat it for them. But uh, prior to this album, uh, I didn't have the most experience when it came to the early years of Pink Floyd uh, you know, this kind of marks the golden era for me and probably a lot of people. So I'm very familiar with this album, Wish You Were Here and The Wall. Uh, believe it or not, I don't really know animals that well, so I'm going to be excited for that episode. But yeah, I've loved this album for a very long time, probably like a lot of people. Uh, you know, I think I discovered it maybe in high school with a good uh, friend of mine, Tim, uh, who was in my first band, he was a big Pink Floyd fan, so he turned me on to this band. So uh I I don't want to say it's like a perfect album because I don't think any album is perfect, but it really is hard for me to get rid of anything on this album. So I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. And uh, my one statement is going to be the absolute perfect blend of Pink Floyd up until this point. And finally, question mark, props to Nick Mason. Mm, I was also going to possibly share a Nick Mason compliment for a change of pace as well um, later on. Uh, yeah, we'll see when we get to that. But uh, I'm up next, and, um, you know, this this is an album that is, in, in many ways, feels like it transcends music and is a bit more cinematic than it is. Um, and that makes a lot of sense, considering that their background, they've already done two uh, film or soundtracks to this date. Their last album was a film soundtrack. Really not that successful commercially, but, um, well, I mean, one of them was, you know, at least, at least a little more mature than the other. Um, but, you know, in terms of the concepts of this album, you know, the, the fact that, you know, a, a film production is so much bigger than a music production. 
Um, I mean, there are thousands of people that go into a big budget film and, you know, so many people have to be, not everyone, but so many people have to be firing on all cylinders to really make something great. Um, and I think that that applies to this album more than many other albums that we've re- reviewed. I mean, you could say that Van Halen one was really just, it was Eddie and Van, uh, um, Eddie, the other chorus album, um, Metallica self-titled or black album, you know, it's Bob Rock who really made that what this is. And I think that Pink, this album is unique in that there are so many contributors to it. Um, You know, the lyrics coming together uh, from Roger really dialing in, um, you know, Dave really finding his sound, uh, Richard Wright really taking a back seat, but really just some of his vamps on this album are really great. Um, You know, production wise, uh, Alan Parsons and everybody who was involved with this, the, 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 the Dick Perry and everyone else they brought in. It really is an album that, uh, in many ways, transcends what it, you know, the sum of what they were to this point. So, big credit for that. Not without its weak spots for sure, and I am looking forward to exploring those because it's it's almost uh, interesting for debate. So, with that in mind, I will give one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic, uh, rock album of all time an eight out of ten. And that must lead it on to me. Well, if anybody has been listening, not to repeat uh, the last several shows, but uh, you may know that I've not been very high on the Pink Floyd love. <laughs> um, that may That's be an 42%. Might be an understatement. And that just that percentage just got bumped. Um, but one thing I can say is that this uh, is a journey. And I appreciate this journey that we're taking because when you finally climb to the top of the mountain, the fact that you have been climbing there the entire time, I think, makes that peak, you know, you appreciate it so much more. I appreciate this so much more having been through perhaps all that we have been through. Um, and this is an album that uh, I wouldn't say, could you say a switch has been flipped, but there is something, like Mark said, that transcends music culture it's just one of those it doesn't moments. sound like 73 yes yeah, it, it, it really does and it uh it's obviously been speaking to people ever since you know if you think about the moment uh that it was released and uh, every generation since has as you know you can say that it has found people yes exactly so obviously this this album on some level speaks to that human condition and there's something special about that. I also feel like this this is the album that kind of fits the definition of this show. You know, it it trans transcends generations, boundaries, you know, it speaks to millions of people. It it obviously speaks to a show and and um you know, a live setting that that we don't necessarily speak about the live performances, but they obviously have to do with what the band is. And I'm going to give this a nine out of ten. Here we go. A boost. Yes. For highest one since. Chris, where do you stand? Uh, How do you follow up? Yeah, it was, I was kind of struggling between eight and nine. Um, but I think uh, I might stick closer to you, Mark, uh, around eight. Um, uh, again, this is, I know I've, been, I've used it on a, the last couple of episodes as far as the band trying to learn the tools that they've been given. They've gotten this very unusual set of tools. <laughs> 
very progressive mm-hmm. toolbox. And I think now they finally like, okay, we know how to use all these tools. Yeah, uh, yeah. The one statement I kind of had. I mean, the concept is finally understood, and I think that yeah. After what six? How many albums are we? Uh, this is eight. Yeah, this is eight. All right. Okay. <laughs> so I'm. Uh, yeah, that they finally it feels like a cohesive piece. Yeah, the songs flow very well into each other as a concept versus before where it just felt like they were kind of just throwing darts at a board and hoping something would uh, stick mm-hmm. and very and committing to that very well. It's like we don't care what we're doing. This is yeah, just the way that it's going to be. But now it feels like okay we kind of know and even on on the scale of we're like on a worldwide scale where a lot of people would could get into it which ultimately they did i mean the biggest hits on here don't sound like anything that came before it i mean yeah you saw a little bit of that on obscured by clouds maybe i mean we've got these very conventional kind of i mean here they're much more sophisticated but still retaining that kind of yeah pop sensibility which is very hard and that's why i always respected bands like this who were not the norm, but kind of created something that is accessible to the average mm-hmm. person. Uh, Does anybody else think that if you had combined prior albums, you let's say you put metal and obscured by clouds together, you know, cut out, you know, whatever you didn't like, whatever we terminated flush on that album, because they were putting out two albums a year. So obviously they had the writing output to sustain that. Um, you know, would you have something that isn't such a drastic step up to Dark Side of the Moon? Would you have a metal that really is held in that regard if it has, you know, Childhood's End and, and Stay and, and Burning Bridges and whatnot? You know, does anyone else feel like it really isn't that much of a step for Pink Floyd as much mm. as it seems to be because it's such I don't, a big album? I mean, it's hard because, yeah, this album, Amy, has been so kind of crammed into the public consciousness. I mean, these songs, I mean... Yeah, com- with again with comparing them to what we, yeah, uh, kind of experienced on the last couple of episodes, which none of us were ver- were really familiar with. Yeah, it's hard because I mean you look at these like yeah, money. Okay, you can see uh, yeah, time. I mean, man, these are just they just sound like yeah, where the pieces just and that's good songwriting. I mean, you don't know like why do certain songs connect and some don't, even if they're similar kind of structure. I mm-hmm. that's the great mystery of the yeah, it's the thing yeah, that yeah songwriters and big bands have been yeah kind of have been searching for yeah since yeah <laughs> since music has been around uh, and, yeah and that's why i said that yeah. this album in my opinion is the absolute perfect blend because uh you know if you've listened back to any of our last episodes covering the albums before this uh you know or you could just check the stats i'm a huge fan of less of the sort of instrumental journeys uh you know such as like an adam hart mother or an echoes while i can appreciate that uh and and probably pink floyd is pretty synonymous with doing that and sort of kind of spearheading those longer jams like that i'm more of the shorter kind of folk soft rock rock songs like a fearless or a grandchester meadows or dare i say corporal clegg i know it's been (laughs) i know it's been a bit of a contention point here but that's when you get into this album and it's literally the perfect blend because you have these the majority of it is these really kind of shorter catchy songs where you could almost say it's kind of like those more folky soft rock songs but they perfectly sort of encapsulate and bring in more of that experimentation and more of the spacey kind of sounds and blend it in with that where it's like perfect. The whole album's like this. You do have a couple of, you know, instrumental pieces where it sort of 
bridges. And that's what I've always loved about this album so much is the fact that the songs flow into each other. That, that was always the yeah. thing that struck me very early mm-hmm. on. And I've always mm-hmm. loved that gapless playback idea on this album. So I, I think maybe that's why... Yeah, it's it's weird to think, like, you know, why did it kind of take them so long to get here and figure that out where it was kind of right under their nose? And, you know, they had the... In, like, both parts of their sort of cattle, like their music songwriting was kind of, you know, spread apart where you had the, you know, set the controls to the heart of the sun. And it was just this very kind of journeyistic, long, kind of weird esoteric piece. And then you had these smaller kind of softer rock songs and they were kind of separate from each other. And you kind of had to pick what camp you were in as a fan. So why did it take them? It was the last album. Yeah. Why did it take them so long to just kind of mash those two together and make it perfectly? Why did it take them so long to do it here? And they did. And and that was just like, okay, we found it. Let's continue on here. Yeah. It's what's interesting about this is that, you know, we finally, I think in my mind have, a complete concept here. Yeah. We're not just talking about a single side of a record and perhaps, you know, maybe that almost took more guts than anything before. Like, yeah, we kind of laugh a little bit at Alan psychedelic breakfast and, you know, you can look at Adam Hart mother and things like, Oh, you know, wow. They, they kind of threw it into the wind there, but you know, you get on the other side of the album and you have, Okay, you know, each member takes a song and kind of more standard songs for the most part. And you wonder, like, well, you know, how about we devote an entire album to a concept and make it front to back and and intertwining and in in a way that's almost is that as much of a gamble as like, you know, okay, so they won't listen to side B, you know, they won't flip it over to Alan Psychedelic Breakfast, whatever, <laughs> you know, we still yeah. got some songs on side A that can do Filler it. As opposed on vinyl, to, always if, appreciate If it. you're not buying the concept here, you're stuck, you know, right. luckily it, it worked. <laughs> yeah, know, and everything it, it, it required everyone to buy in, everyone right. to be on the same page, yeah. you know, stragglers, right. no, you know, everyone had to be all in on this. And I think this is just, this album is the result of everybody reaching their peak at roughly the same time. Right. Even maybe, Mr. Mason. Maybe right. that's why we uh, were like so confused with some of the other albums. And well, so, oh, well, this is, this is so close. And, and this, can't you hear it right. here as well? Because people were peaking at different times and it just wasn't that that moment yeah it's weird again i think i don't know which one of you said but it's like they had been working like the last over five six years just to get up to this point like okay we're just throwing stuff out there we're figuring okay we have this sound we don't know what it is i mean we like it and we're just trying to get it uh and this is kind of where like all right um i think i remember uh yeah uh roger waters in the uh the, the which one's pink documentary right when they were coming about to record dark, dark side he's like okay we finally yeah we've kind of like uh yeah, put kind of put in the time. Now let's go do Dark Side. Yeah, I kind of just like yeah, kind of in a, with a little tongue in cheek. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I mean, I feel like you could hear, um, you know, for example, Sisyphus. I know everyone else is low on that. Yeah, sweet. But in a lot of ways, you can hear that's it's you know Richard Wright was there. He was he he knew what he wanted to do. It's just maybe the other band, the rest of the band wasn't there with him. And now, like you look at the opening uh, half of Dark Side or the first side of the the vinyl, and it really is the same kind of format. It's just much more accessible, and everyone else is ready to contribute material. So Richard Wright doesn't have to write weird avant-garde, you know 
just just you know piano fawn down the stairs type stuff. Right. You know, he can actually make it so it has some radio airplane right. ability um, to it. It's fine. There's one more point I wanted, and it was something I never because I mean the music of this album is so iconic. I mean, you hear some of those opening riffs and you just know immediately, but you never really paid unless if you were a hardcore fan really listening to uh, to Roger's lyrics and. I didn't. It was. It wasn't until I really started digging in and kind of reading up on just just his process how simple the lyrics are. I mean, they're, they're like most people can kind of understand it. Um, mm-hmm. I'll get more into it when we get into the songs. But uh, uh, yeah, for a guy who was always very kind of ethereal. Yeah, here it's not. It's pretty kind of blunt. He just uh, when he's talking about money, he's got a very kind of yeah pedestrian kind of approach. Uh, talking about time and the kind of death and whatever. Yeah, it's very kind of like it's. And there's a little bit of imagery, but for the most part, it's yeah, very kind of he doesn't try to hide anything. Yeah, and that's sure. interesting because right he, the like <laughs> there's there's obviously been songs that Pink Floyd has done previously that that speak to some of these concepts and some of these themes before, but the results were things like Alan Psychedelic Breakfast, right? Uh, you know where <laughs> yes, you know we're talking about life and we're talking about somebody you know on the street and an everyman, but. You know, you're not. People aren't connecting, perhaps. Right. Like, you yeah. Know, you got psychedelic you, 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 graphics. Right. <laughs> and 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 here you finally, you know, you you've toned it in a way that connects with all these people. But I find, you know, for the most part, it isn't so heavy-handed. Where no, you know, you know, so when sometimes you hear bands or albums like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna write about time, and <laughs> it ends yeah. up being like, oh boy, you, sh- you shouldn't have done this, you know. No. But it's in in this case, you know, it obviously connected. Well, I mean, the, uh, uh, you know, the crux of it is that they put something together that really is, is hard to argue with a success, but we always try to dig in and find out, you know, what could make it better. Because from our listening perspective, this is just another album in the sea of millions upon millions that are available for us to listen to in the year 2020. So really not listening to it uh, so much for it being, um, I suppose, the, the first or the best of its time, even if it does have credit. Because as I've always said, music uh, is forever preserved on tape. And sometimes it's nice to know that they were the first to do it or the first to really put this together in a pack or a concept album or whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, I think uh, we should get to the music and uh, Kevin, take it away. This is going to be Speak to Me. You know, it's funny, I, uh, cause I know on, uh, Van Halen's 1984, I kind of, I think I, uh, uh, I think I flushed, uh, the, uh, the, the opening song, which funny enough is very similar here. I always looked you at did. speak to me and breathe as one piece cause they flow into each other so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, normally I, cause when I, again, just going into this the first time I was listening, I'm like, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. Those two are kind of a. Yeah, they kind of work together. So, yeah, again, it, it opens the record. I mean, it's almost like the, it's it's laying the uh, like you listening. You're like, oh yeah, okay, this is Dark Side. Like, all right, yeah. There's mm-hmm. the clock. There's the heart beating, uh, and then the lead into with the scream in the end that leads like perfectly into Breathe, which we'll wait. But uh, yeah, it's not really. It's more of a piece to yeah. I I don't know why they 
separated it. Uh, but uh, well, Van Halen did it with yeah, 1984 and Jump. So I guess yeah, it's not. Uh, it's true. Yeah, yeah, it was done later. Well, it, yeah, it, 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 musically, it's an overture. I mean, yeah. it's very mm-hmm. it's traditional too. Oh, yeah. Like um, you know, what do you, what do you call it? like like um play which is like, uh, what do you call it? like broadway plays or whatever like uh you know in in the first five minutes of uh west side story you'll hear all the themes right you know mm-hmm. like that that's the that's kind of what this is hinting at except what i like what they do with it is they do it in a non-traditional way where they rely on kind of the more um you know psychedelic roots or you know we're gonna tinker in the studio rather than we're gonna play the riff for money um, like that's not here. It's just more of the, the effects of it. I think it's, it makes for a cool overture that, uh, you know, for 73, uh, you know, having that, that, that freshness preserved on tape. I think I like that a lot in terms of just like that. It's, you know, it's a throwaway song, but it is useful to the experience. Right. And I appreciate how this song, it pays dividends, not, not on the first listen. Like if you've never listened to this album mm-hmm. before, you know, and, and you know nothing about this album, which doesn't apply to a lot of people (laughs) but uh, you'd be like oh you know interesting one minute song to kick it off i guess but as you listen you're like oh yeah i heard that before oh okay that's like a reprise it's almost like it starts the reprise for later on which is cool and then Mm -hmm. the second time through like you put on the album again and you know where it all came from Mm -hmm. and then oh okay so it's it's one of those things again where the concept is is kicked up a notch like they put the thought into the fact that well somebody may actually listen to this twice so you know this yeah. this, this song may actually you know come mean back around. something down the road as opposed uh, you know, to mean nothing I'm not sure how much credit I want to give Alan Parsons for this, um, you know, or if that is, you know, even is the proper person to give credit. I know Nick Mason is credited with debate with Mr. Waters on this song um, or song. It doesn't have lyrics. It's not really a song, I guess. But, um, you know, it, it, it's just, uh, you know, without whoever put this together, putting it together, if it were just some kind of lame Alan psychedelic breakfast opening you know, how would that set the tone differently for this opening? You know, like it just wouldn't flow in a breathe, right? Like it was just so key that whoever put this together got it just right, didn't overdo it, didn't make it too long and really succeeded at uh, at, at that transition. Kevin, can you play that ending? Chris mentioned it too, and I, I like it a lot. Um, as well, I think it's worth noting. My, uh, you're talking about with the scream into the yeah. thing? See, mm-hmm. my, it's interesting. My file cuts the scream right before That uh, stinks. Breathe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I will, I'll play that now. Yeah. God. Perfect. I I mean, it's, it's, we're definitely at the moment, you know, go ahead, Alex, but you know, we're, things are just gold. No, yeah, no, absolutely right. And it's actually kind of cool that we have done these albums in order because if you remember how Obscured by Clouds opened up, you know, I, I compared it to uh, the Escape from New York main theme where it kind of has that kind of steady kick drum and it kind of sucks you in and it's very it makes sense that it would be on a movie soundtrack and then you hear it here and i just feel like it's done better and even though this album is not technically done for a soundtrack just the way it's structured i feel like you could see it like they're making their own like they're making their own movie this time and and i go on to do that live yeah, exactly. And I just I've always loved this intro. Like you said, Mark, it's perfect because it's not too long. Uh, and, you know, there's times where, you know, we'll get something like Adam Hart Mother, where it's like the first track and it's 20 minutes. And it's like, all right, I don't know if I need this on the first track. But I think that's why I really love this album so much. And maybe it's a millennial 
point of view where I like stuff a little bit shorter, but I wouldn't say that's actually true uh, because I really do like longer extended jams on a lot of other bands. So I don't want to make it sound like, oh, he's this, <laughs> you know, dopamine, <laughs> yeah. dopamine depleted kid who can't appreciate a long right. song or something yeah. like that because well, that's look, not it's true. A fair point because how long it does is. it take Echoes to open? Seven right. minutes? Something yeah. like that. They have a seven minute intro on a 23 minute song. Right. Yeah. But fair just, just, anyway. yeah. But yeah. just here, I, I think they've trimmed the fat perfectly on right. this album and there's no super long jams and it's all like they didn't cut any corners here or maybe they did cut, i don't know i don't know if that's the right expression to use but just they they sequenced it perfect and i just love how this opens up and like you said it's not too long and i love the way it fades in and we'll get to the next track but that if that's chorus or that flange going on with that guitar is just so perfect and and honestly i would like to if we can I know we probably don't want to spend too much time talking about the production here, but if you listen to everything before this and you listen to this album that only came out like a year later, to me, I don't know what it is, if it's all Alan Parsons or what, but this album almost seems like light years ahead of the rest of the stuff when it just comes into production, where it's like you listen to it and it's like it, it, it doesn't almost seem like it came out in 73. It's like yeah. it, it's oh, still it's such so saturated. I don't know what it is, but just something about the production, it's so timeless where it still sounds so good today. Like it, you mm-hmm. feel like it could have came out like last year or this year. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was our one minute intro and the discussion is rolling already. <laughs> um, but we're going to move on to, like Chris said, uh, these songs are often thought to, uh, you know, about being together. Of course, a lot of these are because they're sequenced, but especially speak to me and, and breathe. And this would be uh, breathe in the air. For sure, get the get the uh, the blanket boy, get the towel boy ready because the warm blankets are going to be. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. Heavy with and the warm now, Alex's warm blankets. Oh, he's generous with them tonight. Yeah, but, you know the, the, the uh, you know one thing that I focused on a couple of times in per- previous uh, shows of ours across Van Halen and Metallica, especially um, two things actually. Um, the tempo of an opener, and we'll consider this the opener. We'll consider "Speak to Me and Breathe" the same piece of music, really. Um, the, the tempo of this song is so perfect mm-hmm. and so circular; it just feels calculated, like it it just matches the spin of a record. Like if you just picture a record, like if you close so, yeah, your I eyes like, and I you just that. see it spinning, 
Like, yeah. I don't know if there's something mathematical about it Never or thought about what, that. but yeah. you could just, just like an overhead view <laughs> of a record and it's just spinning to this tempo. I don't know if it's like 33 RPM times two or it's 66 beats per minute or whatever it is. Um, and the second thing too is I always, I honed on this with uh, Metallica and Van Halen, just the opening lyric of a record, breathe, mm-hmm. breathe in the air. Like that birth, you know, like that first breath and just like the, how, like just in, in five words, how it just sets the stage for everything that's going to come. I, you know, that already it's like, I'm raving now because we're not getting to the bad stuff yet. Like we'll get there, but like, I'm all 10 of 10 to this point up and through this whole song. Like we'll see where it goes, but man, yeah, I'm going to, I'll agree with you there, Mark. And I guess the way I can kind of see it, and I I didn't do a whole lot of research into this album, and that might come to bite me when we get into our seven for the buy, but I did read a little something about how they sort of debuted this album as a live piece, what, in 73 or 72? Like at a theater in England, they, they kind of played the whole album live, and some people loved it and some people didn't. And just the way this album is sequenced, that makes total sense to me where it you listen to it and it's like being at a live show and you can just listen to like a full live set of this and it kind of brings you in nice and slow because you know I, I i've been to a lot of shows in my year you know in my day and you know i primarily go to like punk and rock shows and i never got the chance to see you know floyd obviously but i never got to see david gilmore or roger waters but you know i've seen different bands like one band for example that i i know that kind of does this is a band like pearl jam i i, I was fortunate enough to see Pearl Jam in 2008 on the Backspacer tour and I remember them coming out and opening the show with like a really slow song off of like Riot Act or something like that and I was so used to like seeing shows kick the door down with like a really fast song to just you know lights lights come on yeah, and then the boom boom right into this fast riff or we'll talk a about walk on the wild side Motley we'll, Crue. We'll, yeah or we'll talk about van halen how they you know back on van halen too they open the show with light light up the sky and like that's just a rager but this it just i could see this live like just kind of bringing everybody in nice and slow and then it just kind of builds up to a peak like halfway through the album and then sort of kind of brings it way back down and kind of fades the album out and i i really appreciate that here and it works and i I, that's where i'm gonna say nick mason i mean (laughs) i i think the when he plays slow and clever and has his little (laughs) slow fills here and there are perfect he does it well and i know we've criticized Mm -hmm. his drumming in the past for doing the same fill all the time and he's kind of boring and he's he's a mediocre jazz player when he's playing on these jazz tracks but when he can do this kind of slow kind of just kind of pacing on the ride cymbal and doing these carefully placed tom beats and stuff i think it's perfect yeah it's it's kind of like yeah yeah, it's kind of like ringo like that kind of yeah not to i mean it's yeah you're kind of you're a, a song drummer yeah, you're kind of adding, and yeah. maybe maybe he works better in a pop context. Yeah, where you're not over, you're just kind of serving whatever. Yeah, you're getting that yeah, kind of connecting for the common folk instead of yeah doing these very extended complex pieces. Uh, but yeah, just the vibe on this little two little over two minute kind of ditty. Uh, going back to that's your, it. It's only two minutes, or about two forty two forty nine. So yeah, just under. Oh. So it's very yeah, it's very short, but. Uh, I love the other yeah, transition for the previous song into that because again you've got this scream and then all of a sudden it's just Dave saying breathe like okay you're having a nervous breakdown and then it's like okay just bring it back down all right yeah I never even thought about that that's, uh, that's uh, great. yeah like everything is gonna be okay yeah he's okay just mm-hmm. gotta sit back you gotta uh, 
Yeah, I think the whole I was trying to as far as the uh, like the as far as the kind of concept behind the song, I think it was more just kind of taking a deep breath and kind of just enjoying life for just the simple things around you. Uh, and yeah, they they as far as the vibe, I mean, it makes you just sit back and just kind of you know, like yeah, breathe, yeah. And then I love yeah Dave's kind of slide guitar. I know you don't. Most people probably don't notice that, but some of those weird little kind of oh you know, that makes that this song. I yeah, they're very they're very su- yeah. yeah they're very subtle. But and again, I didn't really until I started just like kind of deconstructing these songs. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's a slide there. That's really that, 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 yeah that, that adds to the yeah that's the cotton in the blanket there. That's that nice <laughs> yeah that, that, that's the nice thick cotton. Yeah, it's like a comforter. Yeah, and, and Rick Wright's <laughs> organ runs that Kevin played there at two twelve oh, are just yeah. like. Yeah. Oh, so good. It just, it just, it just, he knows, like, he's stepping back a little bit, but still really knows when to come out, when to vamp. Like, it's so McCoy Tyner. Like, John Coltrane is the star, but, like, McCoy Tyner knows how to support. And it's just, it's really perfected here. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that was Breathe in the Air. Um, a, a quick point from myself. I do like how the uh, last lyric is. I believe I didn't actually look this up. This just from I heard. Race towards an early grave. Boom! Right into on the run. Man, I I have loved this instrumental so much from the very first day I ever heard it. It's one of the most picturesque pieces I think I've ever heard uh, and and probably pretty influential for its time, especially getting into sort of the keyboard synth effects that I think Roger was doing, if I'm not mistaken, or was it David that would have been Uh, doing that? uh, Uh I think Dave kind of was messing around, and then I think he heard Roger heard Dave doing something, and so I think he was the one who ultimately put this these notes together on that. Right. Yeah. 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 So I mean, ever since I was in when I first heard this, and I've told this story to so many people, but um, I think I read that whoever wrote this was trying to sort of simulate the anxiety of being at an at an airport. Uh, which is funny because we were talking about how much I loved Brian Eno's music for airports, how it's made to kind of calm the anxiety for being at an airport. Right. But the uh, image that always came to my head whenever I listened to this, and I, I'll also talk about the production in a little bit in a second. But what I what I, what <laughs> I see, I have a lot to say about this song because it's like seriously like one of my favorite Pink Floyd pieces ever. It's it's just it's so <laughs> wow. incredible. I yeah, love I it so far, much. But... <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, I I picture um, laying on a hospital bed 
And the doctors are all like racing you down to the ER, like down <laughs> yeah. this hallway, and all it's all just bright. All yeah, the yeah. fluorescent lights are passing, and you're freaking out. And there's the shot in the movie where you can look up and you can see the panic of the doctors looking at you, and then the overhead shot where you see the patient looking <laughs> up at the. I just see that so much when I God. hear this, and I, I think it's perfect. And this is such a headphone album to me. I just the production is great with the mixing and the panning. If you get a chance, you know, just lay in bed with some good open back headphones, just close your eyes and put this. It's terrifying, but it, it's so cool that it just keeps you so engaged. And I love it. I love this piece so much. And it was mm-hmm. funny. I was I was kind of telling uh, Kevin a few weeks ago, um, and I've mentioned him a few times on this podcast, but the singer of my band, his name is also Kevin. And I think he might be a guest on the next show. We're still talking that out but uh he uh has been really big into the synth lady uh synth lately he got a, a mo grandmother and he actually figured this piece out and constructed it where he kind of put it on the loop he you know he played the couple notes and then he sped it up and it actually did this loop and one day he just busted it out at practice and i'm like i told our drummer like do the hi-hat thing and i don't think our drummer ever heard the song in his life <laughs> but he's good enough to know like when to play that hi-hat thing so i'm like play this and i'm like i was trying to get a video of it and i couldn't get it in time but it just it's such a cool piece there's so much going on and i, yeah. I love it so much this is a a song that or song again it's not a song um but uh i mean it, it, it's a track that really could only come together when everything else is also coming together because there's a lot here that it would just be like, you know, some stupid early 70s like demo CD right. for the Moog or something like it, just like a, a sampler CD of what you could buy with your new Moog synthesizer or your new, you know, VSC3 or whatever they were using. Um, like a lot of has a lot like demo patch feel to it, but there's so many layers and there's so, because the next song is time. Like, I feel like there's a lot to this song that has to do with time. Like just like the modulation of the, you know, uh, uh, of the effect, um, like the way it pans, the way it, uh, how that, 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 uh, what is, what was it then? Um, uh, an LFO, the LFO oscillator kind of like, a, yeah. like how, how it's like a triplets and then it's in, you know, it, it extends out and there's really a lot to it. Then when I, when I was listening to this song, I was saying like, this song is almost like moving at different speeds. It's almost sure. like, and I'm thinking of like the movie, um, uh, was it Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk where, you know, one of, part of the movies is moving like at a very rapid pace, like at, at hours. Another part of the movie is going by days. Another part of the movie is going by weeks and they're all, they all kind of come together at the same, at the, at the end. And that's what I feel like a lot of this song has those elements to where they were messing around with it. And then they, you know, had a lot of pieces as Chris would say, they had a lot of tools in the toolbox and they actually built something good with it. They actually built something coherent with it. It works. You know, if you listen to the end, you know, you almost, it almost feels like a plane crash. Um, there's mm-hmm. kind of like that, that like they, it just like, it just, they lose control of everything they're doing. Right. Um, I also wanted to point out the yeah. hi-hat thing too, because, you know, while everyone's talking about planes and airports, uh, there's a song that I have always loved came about 12 years later, but, uh, from the guitarist Pat Metheny called last train home. Yeah. I mean that that's just that's that that it's that that hi hat thing that Alex mentioned. I mean it's just it's train tracks. Um, so yeah. like it, it literally it's called last train home and that's really meant to um, you know emulate that. But it's just it it could only work I, at this moment. I think that if if they had tried this you know in the even the Adam Hart mother era it would have just been garbage. Like it would have been just right. noodling nonsense. Yeah, but th- it happens to work here. Yeah, that's where yeah this was a song initially because I officially I'm like this kind of I mean with all these solid kind of like more 
kind of conventional songs. I kind of initially thought that's kind of out of place. But after listening to this album four times, I'm like, no, you're, you're right. Okay, there is something mm-hmm. here as far as in the construction and flow of the record. It's just yeah, it's, it's, it's alternating it, between right. It's like it's like it's, it's another it's another effect. destination in this sporadic kind of yeah very psych uh, um, concept. And uh, you know it's funny you guys keep saying airport. Did did you guys listen to any of the of the weird kind of like uh, spoken word? Did you try listening because it actually is uh, taken from an airport. It was a uh, like a baggage uh, uh, claims handler or whatever. Um, speaking at an I airport, it was something from another roadie. No, it's not. No, it's it's actually it's, it's a woman speaking over a loudspeaker. Yeah, and it's uh, get your baggage and your passports ready and follow the green line to customs yeah. and then to immigration. Yeah, and then it has like all these weird little terminals. So you're I right. You that. guys weren't off. Yeah, that this actually that was the, that there was an airport reference here. Um, and again, that wasn't until I was yeah just listening to it in my on Apple Music. I'm like, why does why are there vocals here? And then I looked. I'm like, oh, they actually picked up the yeah. Yeah, they just what the, I was these to recordings. Out, like, Spotify marked uh, "Speak to Me" as explicit, but I guess there's yeah, something yeah, in there. I, I looked at somebody. Somebody I, was I offended. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, Not really any lyrics to that song, right? But, but uh, yeah, just the and it's what I hate. Yeah, to, I initially hated to admit it, but yeah, just that that just the pulsating kind of view. Just like you're just like yeah, okay, I can't help but kind of. Yeah, it's got well, there's like you, there's <laughs> like a catch there's like a catchiness to it's it. Weird. Yeah, I, which I is know, weird I because it's the same beat days. the whole song, but it's just there's so much going on and so much stuff that every time you listen to it, you kind of pick up something new you didn't hear before, right. and you got to really pay attention, like the footsteps of the running, or I shouldn't say, but you like the run, yeah, you know what I mean, and uh, just the different, like you said, I never knew that that's what the words were in that part. So now when I listen to it again, I'm gonna have to really pay attention of that part and it's cool it's like it's always exciting for me all right well um interesting song for sure or track yeah as we should track yeah um and of course as a lot of these do on you know the a side falls together the b side falls together this one goes right into time a lot to unpack in this song as yeah. well and I, um i just just quickly uh i have a memory of this song and I, I don't remember when i was first exposed to this album in particular but i do remember mark showing me this song um when i was much much younger obviously uh young enough not to care who the band was or have any relevance to me in any way but i do remember the intro just having this haunting feeling 
and getting mm-hmm. it from those roto times mm-hmm. and the space and oh that would that was just such I will never forget that feeling coming out of the speakers. But uh as an adult now, I think you know, you know, you digest a bit more of the song and the differences. I absolutely well, besides the lyrical content, which of course interesting and you know, you, you take that into account, but Something on this lesson was just the contrast between Dave and Rick's vocals. Oh, yeah. And that is something I love, you know, we did with this this whole show. You go back and you're like, oh, you know, Rick sings. Rick, he sings. Actually, on quite a few songs I had no idea about. And you don't hmm. tend to think of, you know, David Gilmore having like a gritty voice. You think of that kind of like smooth sailing yeah, voice right. <laughs> but Loud here yeah, yeah. <laughs> here, here he digs in he does, and when yeah. it shifts to rick it's like this perfect shift that's Compl- just the compliments yeah sure you, sure, you got sure. You, yeah you've got the guttural and then you've got the uh kind of the coming down yeah kev i know you would Yeah, it's like two. Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's like two different perspectives. Yeah, it's very kind of. Yeah, I never got, knew Especially that. with the choral background versus that kind of, you know, slappy guitar. And right. It almost feels like Dave is like taking some of the, some of that every man grinding it out day to day. Kind of. Yeah, the, you know, going through, and then when you get to Rick, it's more that looking reflective. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I wanted to point out because I had a few lyrics here. Just to, again, what I was saying earlier about kind of uh, Roger's approach to writing very layman, uh, yeah, lyrics for here, where he's kind of where yeah, he kind of he's he's speaking from the uh, from the ground, yeah, not yeah, trying to speak over anybody. Um, but yeah, you've got uh, yeah, kicking around on a, a piece of ground in your hometown, waiting for someone or something to show you the way. It's kind of like you're just waiting for somebody else to show you how to live your life when it's up to you. Uh, and then you get into Rick, uh, where it's kind of the reflecting back after you've wasted all that time where you are young and life is long and there is time to kill today. And then one day you find 10 years have uh, got behind you. Uh, so it's kind of like you're in the moment and then it's you're kind of very somberly kind of reflecting. Well, OK, well, now it's after that. You've kind of missed it. Uh, and it's easily to sure. understand. You know, this is one of the few times where I was reading through the lyrics and it's like, OK, I need to, you can follow it what's going on and maybe that was uh, that was something that helped this record kind of well not i don't think anybody expected it to do what it did but as far as on their previous records which were all very uh kind of ambiguous uh well that's yeah. might why it connects with so many people because there's so many layers to it but it's not so pretentious that exactly. it turns off the masses right you know the the, the i, I want to point out the intro of this song as well um, i want to play a little bit from it too before i talk It's even specifically when it hits those root notes there. I mean, it just, it's so much an evolution to me. And this is why I'm glad that we do this album by album, track by track. But mm-hmm. it's such a much more mature version of Adam Hart Mother to me. Like where Dave had that space Western feeling in his yep. head. Yep. He had it there, but it just kind of came across as kitschy or corny or, yeah, I like the song, but like it was obviously put together by somebody else more than it was Pink Floyd. But now Pink Floyd was ready to 
deploy that idea. They mm-hmm. knew what they were, wanted to do. They knew how to make it happen. They found their identity. They stepped out of the, the shadow of Sid. Um, and I, I, it's such a, it's just like one note, but it's so um, poignant. Like it's, it's so, uh, it connects so well, even if it's just like this, the sound, like the roundness of it. It's, uh, you know, it, it, hard to explain. Um, I also wanted to play a little bit of Dave's soloing too. Um, pay attention to the phrasing at three actually i'll pull it up here it is three forty six so you know it's vamping around that and right. then at 417 when it switches to that that bridge oh i know what yeah. i mean yep. it's just the same it's the same line really it's the same shape of the line and i always loved how he did that like it's very right. You know, like, like, you know, if it's A, A, B, A format and you have that bridge, like, it's just so, it makes for such a beautifully constructed solo. Like, it's just so well thought out. And you can right. tell, too, like, I've always loved jazz players that can take a line and then transpose it to, you know, a key change or transpose it to a different right. part or to the bridge or whatever. Like, it really is, like, it really has jazz roots to it. Right. And I think it comes across, but you don't hear it as jazz. Like, you hear it as groundbreaking rock so right. that is a really you know, important it's, part i think of this era you know it's where there's one thing i almost forgot and you guys probably noticed it because uh, i know they did it once in the past uh well technically i mean yeah that was in one well i think that was sisyphus yeah that started where it started with the same kind of musical arrangement and then it ended with the same you remember you know remember what i'm talking about yeah it was one of the it was one of the uh, one of the musical Grand suites years perhaps uh, I'm trying. Yeah, maybe that's what I party with flute, flute part A and uh, flute part B. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it was. It, it wasn't that. It was. I think it might have been. Yeah, because Sisyphus on that on that record that that was the first musical suite, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. But it's where you see on uh, on this song, it ends with how Breathe started with the same musical arrangement. I don't know if you guys picked that up. Uh, if you listen to breathe, yeah, breathe in the air, and then in time, it's it's a different set of lyrics, but it's the same musical. Yeah, uh, so let me pull. I've noticed that too. Six thirty-four. Yeah, um, I have on my notes, which is right at the end here. I mean, yeah, it's it's so stripped down compared to how thick it was with all the choirs and instrumentation right. before it. But uh, yeah, I thought that that kind of yeah jumped out at me as like a I know yeah the, these are individual songs, but yeah it, it seems like they were kind of repeating that again using that yeah that musical line in a different spot mm-hmm. yeah and it still works. I mean you hear it, it's like okay maybe that's just a part of the whole idea yeah you just kind of mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's uh, you're just kind of sharing the concept yeah throughout mm-hmm. the the album yeah. Sure. Yeah, you guys t- have touched on a lot of great things about this song and uh, absolutely fantastic song, even though it's a longer one, uh, it keeps me engaged and, and especially having a longer kind of slower intro like that, it totally pays off when Nick Mason's Phil comes in and just oh, kicks into Phil. the singing. I mean, I'm sorry. That's where I'm going to talk so about. Simple, like, but it's great. This and, and maybe it's not fair to say because like I listened to so much of this era of Floyd, you know, dark side on, and I never really paid attention to the old stuff. So I was so used to his slower more. And I even, I think I commented that like on the, on Piper where I'm like, I'm more used to Nick Mason's kind of slower, more carefully thought out place drumming with the really well-crafted fill. And then I listened to this like older stuff and I'm like, I feel like he's not that great of a drummer, but here 
He like he does it perfect. And if you think about it too, like I don't think they were playing to a metronome back then. And you know, there's no quantizing. Like this is pre-pro mm-hmm. tools. Like there's a skill to play that slow. I feel and to have the timing be perfect and just kind of you know kind of shift with the music and just have this mood to it. And I think it's great. I mean, his per, uh, percussion in the beginning. I mean, I don't know if that was me i mean i guess it could have been anyone in the studio just kind of hitting things but i'm gonna assume it's him (laughs) and i just love the way it's played and just his fills in this song are great they're nothing super technical and talented like probably a lot of beginner drummers can do it but it just works for the song and it's those things where you could air drum to it and it's such a signature piece and i think everybody is really hitting it here you know, the vocals are great. I mean, what an incredible guitar. So like you said, it's just so well thought out. And he's not shredding, but it's just such a journey where you can just kind of get lost in it and it just flows with the song. And isn't there that part like where... made for where, drone shots, you know it's what I mean? Made, like, exactly. And isn't there a part where... Escapes and yeah. where, mountains. And where that. Richard Wright does like a keyboard slide. I mean, like everybody's kind of has their own signature part on the song. And I think I was mentioning on Obscured by Clouds that when I heard Childhood's End, that was, you know, that was the first time I ever heard that song was in prep for that album. And I'm like, this sounds like this could be on Dark Side. And I think this was the song that I was thinking of that it kind of reminded me of because it's mm-hmm. almost got during the verses, it's kind of got that kind of sporadic, clean, almost like funky guitar kind of kind of interspersed in be- behind the vocals. And it just works so well. And uh, yeah, this is I a fantastic Childhood's song. End also has that that boop, 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 that that you hear in yeah. the, the intro. Like I, I could so, com- yeah. I like could the- compare it to, like this is like the better version of Childhood's End. It's like they perfected it here and it's And I think awesome. I remember pointing out in Childhood End um that that was really when you started to feel like Gilmore and Wright were just locked in and just yeah. like the way they vamp under the verse is just is just perfection. Sure. We'll get more of that later on in this album as well. Um and now we're perfection? in a cl- um, the vamp, <laughs> but I'm sure I'm sure we'll get some. Might be taking a little too. break from that. Um, but we will close out uh, the first side. Uh, this is track five, "The Great Gig in the Sky." I call being satisfied. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. It just sounds like a screeching <laughs> monkey. Like it sounds like an angry monkey. Somebody get that monkey a banana or something. Like it's just so. It's it's and, and if you listen to that whole section right there, like that whole one third. I counted this out. One thirty-two 
to 222. I'm not going to play it, but yeah. go listen. We've all heard it a million times. <laughs> we pretty listen much to the drums. Like I'm going to back off. Like we're going uh, to, we've been, we've been complimenting Nick Mason. I feel like, you know, it's time to back off a little bit because the <laughs> dude plays 11 drum fills. He plays the same fill for nine of them. And it's just, somebody, it's like every four measures, there's the a fill. Sheet. Yes. I counted 11 <laughs> fills and nine of them were the same fill. And every four measures, do, 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 do. And she's just screeching over it. And it's just the kind of thing where it's like you had so much magic up to this point. And you have this, it like it almost sounds like a parody of Pink Floyd. Like it's I almost gone see. like it's gone too far. It's like if I were gonna make something, like I'm gonna make a piece of music that makes fun of the band. Like I would come up with like this right here, just like the same drum fill, the plod, the screeching vocal vocals. Like well, you have David Gilmore in your band. Why is he not playing a guitar solo over that? I just see. Mark. Why did you bring this woman in to screech? I just, I just see Mark off in the corner of the studio while Nick's playing with a clipboard, a little cap on, <laughs> as it's like he's from the drum drum inspector's office making notes yeah, on Nick. Nope, same, same fill. Same fill. Same nope. fill. Switch it up, Nick. Learn yeah. something new. Yeah, this is a, yeah, this is a weird kind of. Uh, again, I'm gonna hold off because I've got I'm gonna question your your guys's knowledge on this song because I found it was actually the the story behind the song is actually I found more fascinating than the actual song itself. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I I can handle like the normal R and B kind of, but when she starts like hitting those guttural kind of like, yeah. it's, it kind of it's like it kind of just yeah, it's like nah, or you lost me, like you had me, like okay, it's. Uh, is this the? It's very ta- it's very talented for sure. No, yeah, like, no, she 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 she's got the yeah the range, but uh, but it's weird. Is this like because the great gig in the sky? Is that like okay? Is, is that their uh, kind of perception of like uh, the angel singing? Yeah, like that's the that's yeah like, like a yeah that's, probably, probably actually yeah. yeah. So I guess uh, yeah. I know I was reading as far as yeah just trying to it's another it's fine because there's no lyrics that you can take as far as what the concept or what the what the the plot of the song is, but I don't know if that was Roger or Dave that said that it's a song dealing with mortality. I guess you could, def- based on the title, I guess you could pull that in in there. Uh, you could pull that out of it, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it's a song. I guess yeah, you could say like it made me want it, to. It was dragging me towards the sky. <laughs> Maybe want to flip over the vinyl, right? You're <laughs> what you want to do? Yeah, so you know, this song. Yeah. At, listen to it at three forty-five and on it, like fades out for a whole minute. Yeah, like it's just. It's I know it's a closing of a suite and they've done it worse before. Right, How, Mark, Mark. I'm surprised. I was expecting you to maybe comment on Richard's right, Richard Wright's uh, piano playing and all. Did you have any love for that at all? No, I didn't actually. Uh, really? I wrote at 2:35. Sounds like a really boring dream theater song. I know this predates dream theater by 30 years, but it just got it's got that like plotting stupid thing where you just expect you just expect your James Labrie come over it and it's like it's like seven minutes into a 30 minute epic song and you're just you've had enough of it already. I, I'm not a fan. Like I know this is Richard Wright's idea. Um, like it was kind of like this thing. It was like a like a weird thing where he would play preachers over it or something he would play like recordings of yeah um, Bible verses, yep. I yeah what, like, like what do you call those like tell not televangelists but um you know like, like yeah, maybe that's where the kind of the great gig in the sky came from or not but this there's a lot in this song that just kind of like, just becomes a parody of itself yep, at a certain point. I agree. I didn't expect it to get this uh this reaction. I get these. Neither did I. I, 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 di- I did make a comment in my notes that the uh, the wailing got grading. Um, yeah, especially I agree. especially after subsequent listens. Um, I never 
kind of noticed it oh, before I was this. It. <laughs> oh, really? I never noticed it before these listens for the, the show, but like listen three, listen four on the album, I was like, oh, oh boy, here we are. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and right. um, yeah, I was, I remember it was like Friday night and I was uh, decided to make a dessert and, and, you know, Jen was sitting on the couch. I put this album on <laughs> and I actually felt bad when it got to that section because she was right by the speaker and I'm just looking at this lady wailing in her ear. <laughs> what, what would you rather take, a Spanish piece or this coming straight into your ear? I don't know, to be honest. Maybe I just had such a negative reaction because I used to play in big bands and, you know, we wouldn't do a lot of lyrical uh, music or just, you know, vocal Good. jazz. <laughs> yeah, but I, boy, did I hate when you get a singer who's more like, they're like, what's it called, like cosplaying more than they are singing. Like they put the sparkly dress on and they just shriek yeah. in front of the band. And right. I always hated that. And this is what that reminds me of. <laughs> the instrumentalists who put so much time into crafting their solos and coming up with perfect things, and the singer gets up there, what? Yeah, to be honest, David Gilmore, what are you doing? No, I gotta. I I feel like I gotta maybe agree. I I gotta appreciate the idea of what they were trying to do, and the fact that you gave me a little backstory on the song helps me appreciate it more. And I I guess they pulled the idea off well, if that's what they were going for—is like the angels singing and like going up to heaven. That's cool, and the fact that they didn't really do anything like that, and they're kind of incorporating this like Aretha Franklin vibe coming into the song here. I mean, that's cool. And it's funny. I have a sort of a, f- I mean, the first time I ever came across this song and, you know, being born in 1993 and watching a lot of movies in the early two thousands. I don't know if anybody's going to pick up on this. I was, I was telling my girlfriend Shay this today when we were listening to this song, but the first time I ever heard this song school of rock and you, and you guys ever see that yes, movie with Jack yes, Black? Yes. The famous, mm-hmm. the famous scene when Tamika finally comes up to him and, and says she wants to be a singer, but she, she didn't, uh, you know, apply herself earlier on because she was scared. And then she starts singing this, and Jack's like, Tamika, nice pipes. And basically before that, he's giving every person <laughs> in the band like a CD as homework. So he gives out like yes and tells the keyboardist to listen to Roundabout and he tells the drummer to listen to 2112. And he's like, he gives Tamika Pink Floyd, or Dark Side of the Moon, he says, listen to the great gig in the sky. <laughs> and I, I always funny. loved that part. And it made me that, go yeah. back and listen to this song. And yeah, I think I might be kind of in line with you guys on this one. It's just like something about that where the the singer is just it's too much. It's like you relax a little bit. Like right. I appreciate the talent in it, okay. but it kind of it weighs on me a little bit. It goes on it for kinda, too long. Too. It makes it makes me cringe yeah. a little bit, and it's like I appreciate yeah. it, but it's like you're showing off. Like <laughs> I don't and know, just Eureka stop. Franklin is a great comparison, but that's what she does, and it's a totally right. different style of music. Well, yeah, and again, the screaming is uh, it's like an accompaniment when you're kind of in the moment, like after you've been actually singing, then you kind of reach like those. Ah, yeah, it's like okay, and then you can bring it back. It's it's a tool. It's like a pinch harmonic on a guitar or whatever. Yeah, it's not, uh, no, just, just Zach wilding out those. Right. Yeah, I, 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 no disrespect to, uh, just like, to Zach, but yeah. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> All right. right, then. It's time to flip that vinyl over and uh, greet uh, Mr. Roger Waters. Uh, does he give us a gem on this one? This would be It's a hit. Don't hit me back to good, good bullshit. I'm in the high five 
I had to let it play through that. Yeah, you <laughs> sure did. Stop it. How yeah. <laughs> Nick, bring in the juice. Uh, good job. Thank you. Um, the uh, the uh, the song here, I mean, it, it, could you name a more iconic bass line? Yeah. Oh, it's so fun to play too. Yeah, that's it's like yeah, I, I mean, it's like I I I was I should I I forgot to say this, but uh, for breathe, that's always like that opening guitar part with like that sort of E chord. It's not like a straight like E minor, but it's kind of like a weird chord, and then yeah. it goes into like that A. It's just something that I always play on guitar. Just if I'm kind of just sitting on the couch and I pick it up and I always play that. And this yeah. is another one where you just kind of you pick up the bass and you're like you're right into that B octave and it's like yeah I'm gonna start playing this riff. Sure, I mean <laughs> uh, Billy Jean maybe might be more iconic than this. Uh, that's another one, maybe. Yeah, yeah. another yeah. one bites the dust. Yeah, but right. I mean this is up there. This is yeah, it's, way it's up very, there. Yeah, of... very uh, very simplistic. You know, it's funny, Mark. Yeah, you mentioned as far as I mean we were kind of giving credit to uh, uh, to Roger on uh, on time where it's like it's not as pretentious. But here though, and again after reading interviews with him. Yeah, this is kind of where the pretension kind of goes through the because again, yeah, he's talking about as far as the as far as how as far as how money corrupts and yeah, like all the but again from a very kind of pedestrian approach. Um, but it was funny. I came across one interview with him where he yeah, he pretty much said it's like you know I at my heart I'm kind of more like, like in the socialist kind of or whatever you want to call it or and but he's like but deep down it's like I wanted to be successful. It's like I wanted to buy that Bentley. I wanted that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sure. it's like this contradiction. Uh, uh, but yeah, ultimately, Which is where they were at. Yeah, at that's where point, that's where yeah they were the at. The, but that's the but it's funny. A song like this is it's that's this is like the like the epitome of like rock and roll. Like that kind of like you're singing about one thing, but you're doing <laughs> something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're speaking out against I, something, but at the same time, you're also indulging in yeah yeah. I did, yeah. Well, of course, which yeah. is you know a theme of the album in a way. <laughs> but it, I definitely. Oh, okay, go ahead, Kev, go ahead. Kev, No, no, oh, go ahead, Kev. I was going to say, I definitely remember the first time I ever heard this song. And it was going to Bill's, and we were stuck Ooh, in that in 90 traffic in the Camaro. I yeah, was in the back. I that. We were stuck at, at in the, the that traffic. Yes, at the yeah, and Dad was like, and 90, Dad, yeah. Yes, Dad said, oh, yeah, this is Pink Floyd. This is the money. I remember and that. I always thought, the loop. Yeah, I always thought of the, oh, yeah, this that money song. And I didn't really know, you know the band or anything else at the time, but right. I remember hearing this on this song, Rocks. I yeah. remember that. <laughs> yeah. sure. mm-hmm. Did anybody else catch the change in tempo after the solo? Mm-hmm. Or the, you know, they go back First to the solo verse. Or second solo. After the guitar solo, they go back to the verse. Um, you know, it gets quiet a little like bit. I they get the walk down. That. It's actually noticeably faster. I had to tap it out. Yeah. Um, I did it at work, so I don't know how accurate it was, but... It went from like 125, 126 to 130. And I just, I, I didn't know if that was intentional or not, but I actually kind of, I didn't mind it so much when the third verse came in. And because I feel like if you had gone maybe back after that, you know, huge guitar solo, it might have lost a little bit of steam. Maybe that's why they did that. Interesting. Well, I think it might have been just speeding up for that solo. It's, you can't yeah. help it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's hard to hold back. I'm glad you went before me, Kev, there, because I was going to say the same thing. I mean, what an iconic song, you know, absolutely played on 97.9 Chicago rock radio for so long. I mean, like there's so much to say about the song and also what else is there uh, to be said? Because it's just it's one of those songs where you hear it so much and you know it. And honestly, I'm kind of still not tired of it. 
which is weird because there was definitely some of those Van Halen songs where it's like, okay, yeah, Jump, Panama, Ain't Talking About Love, huge songs, but like, do I need to hear them again? But this one, you know, I feel like, and maybe maybe it's probably because I haven't spent so much time with Floyd as I did with Van Halen being like my first favorite band. I was obsessed. But this one, like such a staple, I still find appreciation in it and I hear little things in it uh, that I really enjoy. And we were kind of talking about uh, how <laughs> Great Gig in the Sky, how it takes so long for it to fade out. I was telling Kevin, I'm actually fortunate that my dad still has a excellent vinyl collection. And the only Pink Floyd he has on vinyl is an original pressing of this album. And I made sure that I borrowed it from him and I listened to it. And I love how side one fades out with great gig and opens with this. I'm like, I commented on like, that is perfect. That's great sequencing. And you know, this song, like this band has made me a Stratocaster lover. Because I, like, I've always been like a humbucker, and I'm sorry, I'm getting a little nerdy here, but I'm a guitar player, as <laughs> the rest of you guys are. And I've had a Strat in my day. My first Strat I got, it was like a triple single coil Strat guitar, and I tried playing it in my band, and it just it, it seemed so weak to me. And I'm like, ah, God, I hate Strats. They're just <laughs> they don't cut through. The pickups are weak. I need my Les Paul with my humbucker and my Marshall. I hate this, <laughs> and. I somehow, like, I just never got the hype. Like, I had a Telecaster. I love tellies, but something about strats. I'm like, why are they so synonymous? Like, I just, I don't get it. They just seem kind of, like, weak to me. And I've recently owned a strat. I got a new one, and it, I get it now. I love it. And I just love that tone, and you hear it so well in the song. It's just, like, that spanky, trebly, grindy sound, and it's perfect. And you know, the classic David Gilmore black strat with the white pickups and the maple maple neck. It's just, yeah, I don't know. This 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 band has made me a strat lover. I, I get it. I get I've, it. I've got a weird uh, question. Maybe it's kind of a dumb one, but I'll throw it out there. Would this song be as good or maybe even as iconic if it weren't in that 7-4 meter for the verses? Uh, I don't think it would be as good. So something so cool about the way it struts in seven. It manages yeah. to strut in that time signature, which it is is great. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just I just don't think it would be as iconic. I think it would just be another bass bass line, another bass verse. It'd be a decent song, mm-hmm. but just something about the way it just it just yeah like walks around like struts as you said. Yeah, it has such attitude, and I think the time right. signature. Complete yeah. that attitude. It's, it, yeah, it's kind of nice when you don't see like where it's not just a four-four here, you know, where it actually jumps into these more, but it connects even more because of that. Like you couldn't see it being anything but. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, they it, tried something weird and it worked. Worked, yeah. and, and it worked the whole track. <laughs> like, and they didn't have well, to get too weird about it. Right. You did go to four for the guitar solo. Yeah. But I, I do like it. I, I don't mind that either. You know, and then it comes back to, to well, yeah, with the, with, with, yeah, with the Dave guitar solo, you just want a normal rock kind of meat and potatoes, straightforward. Yeah, yeah, just I, oh, I, yeah. I just want to like you said, yeah, like you said the first time you heard it, Kevin, yeah, where you're just like, yeah, this rocks. Like, would the, oh, would, yeah, yeah, <laughs> would, this, would the solo I mean, have like, worked better if it was in a weird kind of like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Pretty just, sure I, David wanted yeah. it that way too. He just, you know, who wants the solo in seven four really? <laughs> 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 Um, um, fumbling. Yeah, <laughs> always missing that top of the yeah. film. <laughs> God. All right. All right. So we're leading into our second song on 
the second side, that would be us and them. blanket yeah us and them is the hot tub with the two supermodels in it waiting for you <laughs> this yeah this is again it for doesn't being, get any it, better than this yeah exactly and it's and it's funny yeah i was trying to think of like i need some what's what's the statement that really and i think i think that I, worked i think that that works very well uh but yeah and again for being almost eight minutes yeah this song just kicks butt yeah just the the somber kind of <laughs> quiet kind of reflection kind of uh passages and then you get into the you know kind of that loud kind of um uh harmony part which is just oh, i just love that uh, it kind of reminds me of the moody blues i don't know it's got that where it really like lifts it up i mean i can't imagine like listening it to it in like a stadium i'm sure that's i'm sure this song really uh really yeah, kind of cut through in that context uh you know what it is yeah. it's a power ballad 15 years before the word was even used it was six yeah. years oh, before yeah. Dream On. Yeah, like it's Def Leppard. Like, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. So, it's well, so the, well, the one thing, I, the one thing I was gonna say, and I was actually gonna kind of mention, uh, absolutely beautiful display of sax. On oh, this I know. Record. Yeah, that was my if next I could point. just yeah. say that. I mean, I know, I know, I know. It. He makes this song, and I know that there was sax on another song prior to this, and I forgot to mention it. But there's not a whole lot of sax going in the Pink Floyd catalog up until this point that I'm aware of. It's so iconic, and too. it's just, yeah. and it's yeah. so like it's just it's it comes in and it just kills it, and then it just slowly walks out, right? And it's beautiful. <laughs> and I was going to actually ask the sax members in the group their thoughts on this, but like this is where the, it kind of transcends, and it almost. I was mentioning how the production where it sounds like this could still like come out today and, and it works and it sounds like timeless. And obviously like the eighties were such a huge era for the sax coming in. And like here you really hear it almost in that sort of aspect, but in 73 and it just takes the song and it just, yeah, there's so much going on and the harmonies are the warm blankets and just, Oh yeah. But yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what are the sax players thoughts on the playing here? I guess. It makes a song. It does. It's very oh, sim- yeah. it's very I mean, simple too. Like you hear in like the first part of it, it's like that do I do mean, do. It's a very simple. It's like three notes, and you know immediately what what it, what you're hearing. It's like oh yeah, this is that song. Yeah, and with just I mean, a, with just a few. But yeah, the the, the normal like the actual sax uh, like the solo again is great too. Right here, just yeah. Beautiful. 
Oh, it's just, run. It's, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what this is? I, don't, I wasn't there for the recording of this. I don't know who was or what they have to say about it. But you know what? I'm just going to pretend this is true because I feel that's the way it was. It's, it, it, it's He was hired to come into the studio, and he did a good job on money. And they're like, okay, why don't you try your hand on this one? We're going to give it to Dave. We got David Gilmore. We wasted one of his solos on that screecher. Yeah. You know, what, do you, what do you think? <laughs> try this one out. And Dick Perry just kills it with a solo. Like, you keep on rolling. Like, take the second solo. Yeah. And they're just like, one <laughs> right. take magic. We got it right there. Like, I, I don't know how it's yeah. went. I want to think that's how it went because that's the way it's, it's, that's the way it sounds to me on tape. I think it almost has to be like that because, you know, like we said, there there wasn't sax before this in, in the Pink Floyd catalog, or at least not like this. But then it starts to appear more often. And like, yeah. oh, wow, that worked. We got to go back yeah. to that. And, and they, yeah, they didn't just right, like say, oh, right. we'll throw it in there, we'll pay him his check, and then, yeah, I don't know. We, yeah. It was well, coherent. The they same they thing, used it again. Right. The same thing with the, the, the girls, the background singers. You know, yeah. where that becomes a part of it. It's strange how these things that we think mm-hmm. of as synonymous with the Pink Floyd sound, some of them like just appear in this album. And yeah. then they end up appearing a lot more often after this because, hey, let, it let, works. Me, let me tell Let's a story with this song because it, <laughs> okay. it's like this is such a, a, a meaningful song. I mean, it really is just presence as music. Um, Kevin, you mentioned earlier uh, hearing money for the first time and where you were, you know, with with our dad. And I remember that, too. I don't think it was the first time I heard money, but like it was definitely a a memorable time for me. Um, You know, 24 hours ago, I was listening to this song. I had, you know, I I, I had 80 degree wind in my hair. I had the sunset in the rearview mirror. I was on the overseas highway coming back to Miami from Key West. You know, and, 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 and it's just the perfect soundtrack. Wow, I love to that. that setting. And, and like, and I don't mention that just for me though. But you know, I had my wife and my son in the back seat. My son is three, three and a half, kind of. You know, he's he's, he's you know getting to that age basically where he's going to remember things for for he he might remember things from that age. So like my point being that like that's the kind of thing that I hope he connects with someday. Like that's the kind of thing that like our dad did that to us and passing this music down generations. I don't mean to sound like this is stuff is so old that like passing down to generation to generation, you don't own it. It's not like a treasured heirloom, but in a lot of ways, the experiences. Right. And that's really, you know, when I talk about music, just, you know, one part of music is a moment in time preserved forever on tape. The freshness is always there. The second part of it is being a soundtrack to life. And it's like those moments that you remember, just like when that run hits in, like I remember where I was, I was on the seven mile bridge. Like I know exactly like the mile (laughs) marker I was. When One day he's going to have his own podcast talking about, oh, yeah, I remember when Dick Perry's sax came in. My dad yes, was driving on the nailed that side. run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it's perfect. And it just, like, couldn't be any more fitting to the scenery and, like, where I was at just 24 hours ago before the recording of this show. Right. I wanted to just throw one thing in here as far as, again, with the... Um because again, I know, uh, I like to focus on the lyrics a little bit. Uh, it was interesting. There's like kind of like three separate little parts here that kind of focus on the same thing as far as our relationship uh, with others, regard uh, depending on what situation you're, that you're in. Uh, and it was kind of interesting where yeah, Roger kind of separates it between kind of war, uh, kind of just being in the city and uh, and just dealing with people who have means and people who don't. And I thought that was kind of where he was able to split that up uh in the way that he did where you start out with like soldiers on the front lines like struggling to communicate 
than it has to do with kind of, again, this is the early 70s, so you've got a lot of the race kind of riots and stuff going on as far as mm-hmm. yeah, people living amongst each other trying to, to get along. Uh, and then ending with uh, kind of just passing kind of a, uh, like a, uh, uh, just a homeless person on the street and uh, how people, different people react to that situation. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, to cover a store, to cover that variety of ex- life experiences yeah. in seven fifth forty nine, and this song does not feel long for seven. No, it doesn't. Like, it's yeah. hard to believe that there are Metallica yeah. songs that are shorter than this. Like that are just, that you just yeah. want to be over. <laughs> yeah, here, Chris, and you, when you're talking lyrics too, this one has always stood out to me. I don't know why. It, like just years ago, I remember. Just mm-hmm. I'm talking like 15, 16 years ago. Like I, I would remember this part here, just the lyrics. <laughs> Something about listen, son, said the man with the gun. Mm-hmm, yeah. I don't know why. I, I can't explain why that stands out to me, but I, I yeah, love that. Even the word I choices for, yeah, for, those, uh, for those particular yeah, part two where they're, where they're really kind of uh, belting it out. Yeah, we're very well, uh, yeah, we're like, very well chosen. It, something about the gun, like, or, or just, you know, like a, a man with a gun speaking to, you know, saying, listen, son, it, you know, it could be authoritarian. It could be, you know, experiential. It could be parental. Like, it's, it's so interesting. Like, it's just, I... Mm-hmm. I never really noticed lyrics, but that's something that's noticed. Right. I've had memories of that for a long time. Right. I I, remember. Oh, go ahead, Kev. Yeah. Well, I just think like it can't be understated, like the crafting in this song and all the little bits that, that come together, the, the perfectly timed echo, the little piano bits that there's just, you know, if, when they say without the echo drops off because it's with without and then there's no echo and it's just something mm-hmm. like that a deeper thought was given to it right yeah you know, uh, and when you mentioned chris we mentioned that lyric that makes me see the song in another perspective too this is a sequence of short films it is yeah that's what that it was all interesting on the same topic with all different characters they're all 15 minutes long and like the sax part is the montage where you recognize that they're all kind of of the same theme right exactly there was a movie called disconnected that was out a couple of years ago it was an indie film it wasn't that popular but it was a it was a great film on how technology affects human relationships and lives and, you know, how it in a ways disconnects us. And like, in that way, like, I feel like this could be the soundtrack for them, that movie, the way it's set up. Right. I agree. Uh, yeah, there's, yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting, but yeah, I love that part in the beginning, like the first, uh, uh, kind of like harmony part. Yeah. And, and the front right, like, uh, or forward, he cried from the rear and the front right died and the general sat in, the lines on the map, you move from side to side. I don't know. You can kind of, that's another very cinematic kind of, you, know, you can, mm-hmm. again, you just see guys running out, you go in, uh, kind of in the same vein as, uh, like what Metallica did on, uh, like one, like that kind of, uh, or even disposable heroes. But I think here it's, it's a little bit more unique because it, because of the musical arrangement. It's, I mean, this mm-hmm. is, this is 15 years before the kind of where metal really took off, but here you have a ballad that kind of reflects on, I guess, more of an introspective kind of, uh, view on yeah, just relationships and war. Mm-hmm. I could watch a whole movie on this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could listen to this stuff all day. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Can you listen to the next song all day? That's a good question. We should answer it after we listen to any color.
funny. This was that drum fill. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, fun, it's funny. This really is kind of a plotting kind of jammy feeling song, especially with the synth. And also kind of looks like they're just experimenting more musically with effects. And sometimes it just, I don't know, it just feels kind of like it's there. We just need to put something here. Uh, I do like how funky it is. There is kind of a funky kind of feel to the groove. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of pulled it out of the abyss for me a little bit. Because, uh, again, the first listen, I was kind of like, all right, where is this going? This isn't, I mean, just what came before it, you're just like really pumped up. You're like, okay, yeah, just that masterpiece. And then it's like, okay, this is interesting. But it just feels like a bunch of guys just kind of yeah, just jamming together. Uh, well, right. it feels like they had ideas that didn't fit Not necessar- into us and them. Exactly. So they had right. to tag it with something. Right. Um, uh, it, it was funny because I think this came out a few years before that. Was uh, the synth reminded me a lot of Steve Miller, like "Fly Like an Eagle." Alex, did you get yeah. that? Yeah. I, I hear that. Sure. Yeah, especially when they like when they when it ascends. Yeah, it's got that real kind of do 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 kind of feel to it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. What I hear and. He's not credited, at least on Wikipedia, for having any part of the writing of this song. But I know Alan Parsons obviously engineered this record. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Alan Parsons aficionado, but I have listened to, you know, his big songs like uh, I I in the sky or, yeah, the Bulls intro. (laughs) And I I just I can't help but think that that, he might have. The Bulls took that, though, didn't they? Or yeah, did he yeah, write it for yeah. Them? No, okay. he didn't write it for them. No, I mean, because that <laughs> they, album came out in, in, in 76, I think. Yeah, that came out way 76 or 77, well, right? No, uh, I in the Sky came out in 82, and that song's called Serious, is what I thought that the was Bulls 70. Maybe it was is. the 80s. Yeah, that was, that was the I in the yeah. Sky record, I think, right? Right. It yeah. is, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like I hear, like, I just, I hear this, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Alan Parsons had to have something to do with this song and he's not credited for it, but I don't know. I feel like he kind of maybe took this idea and kind of incorporated it into his own career. Cause some of those synth sounds and ideas, it just sounded very Alan Parsons to me, but yeah. For a song I, called any color you like, they're very colorful sounding synths. They really are. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. absolutely. And like, this is one of the songs on the album. Cause I was, I don't know. So many of these songs are like such big names and like radio staples. And then you get to this one. And then like, this is kind of the, if you had to pick a deep cut from the album, I guess this would probably yeah, be definitely. the one for me anyway. And yeah, it's just kind of like jammy. And, and I wouldn't say objectively, there's anything bad about it. Like I can't say I was annoyed, but you know, maybe I'll, quietly just back away well, it, it, and not give anything away <laughs> no, but it's, it, it's where it feels kind of it was, like it was just like a throw like they just like like yes, i mean before that yes. you had what you had money and us and them which are just these yeah uh I, okay, I mean, I, to be fair yeah. though could you go from us and them to brain damage uh it's a it's a great it's it's a great interlude piece for that. Yeah, I guess you could I'll say that, any any color you like. I guess could be like an intermission. Okay, like, okay, we just bombarded you with yeah. awesomeness. Okay, now here is a, a, a here's a moment break, just to compose a weed break. Compo- yeah, <laughs> for, for the for the concert. Yeah, I, yeah, weed. Yeah, yeah, just a lighted up uh, break. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's what I was trying because again, I was trying to look at this objectively because again, it's like I just don't like this as much. I know it probably has a, a, its purpose. I'm sure our any all our listeners who love this maybe they can enlighten us or me in particular. Uh, what uh, what 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 this Chris means? Chris at LightTheSky.net. Right, exactly. Yeah. Set him straight. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, what, what 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 does this song mean? Why 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 does it belong here? Why is it are all as a piece? Is everything right where it should be, or is it more of just a plotting kind of, yeah, just like weird little kind of intermission piece? Yeah. Yeah. Well, right here, at the, almost right the, at the end. 
it's like a set change piece it's like music yeah. that plays while the mm-hmm. stage changes. The Sad, stage. right? Yeah, right. You know, like it's yeah. like, like it's like the band playing. You're right. Like, you know, oh like man, kind of back to that overture, West Side Story, or Oklahoma type deal where it's just that it's just an interlude for something else going on in the background. That just ruined it for me. <laughs> yeah, I could just think like, okay, it's like, all right, we we've, we've, we've bombarded you for an hour. Okay, now the lights come up. We're gonna shift things around. If you need to again, use the can. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> in here. <laughs> Yeah, to get, 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 get yourself together. I appreciate Mr. Richard. Well, Ryan. hey, Give us that's a chance to go. Go have a smoke. Yeah, yes. that's uh, honestly, it's very possible because, like I said, they debuted this whole album like as a live piece, and I, like I said, it's very much sequenced. Like I could see this yeah. being like to be like a full show. Yeah. So this could very yeah, well so be get, the piss break. Right? I, mean, yeah, I just the, see, the I just see everybody break another. Concert. Yeah, everybody sitting How through thoughtful. us and them. The band looks up when they start any color they like, and there's a stream of people hurrying to the exits <laughs> to get to the band. Right. Just yeah, it's funny. line to the P line. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think I think there were, especially when they started doing this tour, I mean, this was the first, uh, probably the most difficult tour up until this point. So maybe this was the moment just to give the, the road crew a break. Like, okay, yeah, we're just going to do this thing I while they need to do the what they need to do. I for this song. <laughs> right. Any color you like. Parentheses, a beeline to the P. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's like uh, what people always say in jazz groups about the bass solo. <laughs> bathroom break time. <laughs> no time to talk. <laughs> Good time for conversation during the bass solo. <laughs> this song is in between the Richard Wright echoey synthy sounds. <laughs> oh, it's, and it's, funny, it's funny. And it has that, like, the lights are coming up feel to it, too, where it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, all right. It's kind of like taking you out of the moment. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't hate this song. I thought it was fine, but I'm <laughs> yeah. maybe talking myself into a... Right. Uh, Do you, I yeah, you know, it's I funny. Know. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Again, going back to uh, our discussions on as far as placement of a song, do you think this should have been shifted more to the middle to be like a true like intermission kind of? Yeah, just to well, kind of. What if it were the opener of side one? I mean, I know it's hard to mess with money. Mm, being the, or sorry, sorry, side, side, side two. two. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. No, I mean, that's. No, uh, let let me see what. Uh, so we'd be going from what the great gig into any yes, color. Any color. Yeah, I mean, it'd be kind of transitional in terms of like the you know just like the end of part one yeah. and then you know you're kind of setting the stage for that's more a, of that's a, a lot of that's a lot of weird kind of yeah it's kind of it's hard to around. mess with an album that's sold you know probably a quarter of a billion copies that you're, yeah. <laughs> i don't know how much i can criticize i mean we've done that in the past before yeah. so it's not i'm just curious because again it us, has more but... of those like okay we've gone through the first part okay now again here's it's like the old movie intermission or even the or normal stage yeah okay we're gonna yeah and then all of a sudden then you after that, you open with money, and then it's like, okay, now we're yeah, money, us and them, and then the next two, yeah, brain damage and eclipse. Like, okay, that would be a, that would be a good kind of, yeah. I hate to say it, yeah. but the drumming gets a bit sloppy in this song too. <laughs> well, before Nick, you're slacking on us. Before we can get too far down that road, anyway. maybe it's time to hit the next song, yep. uh, which is brain damage. <laughs> is in my head. <laughs> The lunatic is in my head You raise the blade You make the change You rearrange me till I'm sane You lock the door Throw away the key there's someone in my head, but it's not me. And the 
this song is so um i don't know you would call it like there, there's like a bipolar nature to it where the verses and the chorus are so uh, drastically different to me. And I know it's a song about brain damage or mental illness or Sid or, you know, whatever roads he went down. Um, but, you know, I, if you play that 131 again, I can pull it up, actually. It's just, you know, it's such a great piece. Um, There's something about that moment there that to me is so cinematic and showing of like it's like a pivotal point in a movie where the character finally comes to a moment of self-realization. And I think that also represents where the band was at this time at this point. Like they finally realized who they were. Hmm. Like they were under the shadow of a uh, shadow of of Sid for so long. And they were just like you know, rudderless and 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 right. you know going in circles and just really not finding a direction and and this is that point like specifically right there like okay we're Pink Floyd and it's not their best song and I've heard this song too many times almost to the point where I kind of hate it like especially like the lunatic is on the cross like I just can't listen yeah. to that like it's like switch the station like I, I skip the track I, I can't listen to it but then when you get to one thirty one and you get to the chorus you think. You know, I, I think that, you know, I, I see, I see like this had to happen. Like right. they had to reach this point. Yeah, it's kind of a strange, I mean, for, cause this is probably the first song I remember hearing off the record. I mean, however many years ago that was, uh, cause it's not your conventional hit either. Again, it's a very dark psychological, I mean, compared to more kind of music friendly us and them and money, which are much more conventional radio, but yeah, brain damage for whatever reason, just really kind of caught yeah, the the zeitgeist. I mean, as far as yeah, just being over. I think would you would you agree? It's probably the most overplayed song from the record. Uh, it's definitely in the category of ones that I don't. I'm I'm approaching that. I don't need to hear yeah, it again. I was, yeah, the one I will say one of my first memories of of this song is uh, standing in Sam Ash trying to wait for a uh, salesperson standing there with Dad <laughs> and and somebody playing this badly the entire time. And somebody, you know, better than the Billabong shorts and the right. more, <laughs> more blues. Yeah, I do, I, but you know, not, I'm not, not saying that better. makes the, this song bad, but that is one of my memories. Yeah, it's, it's one of those overplayed, uh, unfortunately. But yeah, that's kind of that's a good thing. I mean, when you're the, the songwriter, yeah. but uh, it's, it's, it's yeah. one of those riffs too that a really amateur guitarist will just you butcher. Know, yeah, you know where and just like like it won't ring out. You, you know, it's funny. And I again, after reading up on this song, and I was kind of like, yeah, you're right. There, you. There's another song that kind of has that same type of kind of finger picking chord progression. Do you know what it is? Uh, Pink Floyd catalog. Uh, yeah, it's it's not from Pink Floyd. No, it's from another big British act. Uh, and I didn't really. Are you? Are you are, I, I know what you're gonna say. Are you about to say "With or Without You" by you two? No, no, it was not. For, no, I'm talking about something that came out before. Um, oh, uh, I'll just I'll just say it. Yeah, uh, uh, Dear Prudence off of uh, the Beatles White Album. It pretty much, if you listen to that, I know I don't have, oh. I, I can't cue it up, but uh, it has a, a very similar uh, kind of. Uh, so go 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 back a little bit, like the, the first like. Uh, hold on. Oh sure, yeah. coming in with just the, the vocals right but yeah that but that guitar playing is very it's got that kind of like jumping kind of finger picking exercise um uh, i mean i think this one i think is more recognizable i mean dear prudence i mean is i mean it's not necessarily a deep cut but yeah but uh but again yeah uh, again i mean all these guys were kind of in the same vein so you, yeah you're bound i mean we've talked about that before you're bound to kind of 
absorb something yeah from one of your contemporaries uh there was another thing i kind of like when he when uh, the, uh, the lunatic lyrical passages where you have that little like bending guitar which is almost it almost feels like a psychological tick yeah you know, like the lunatic mm-hmm. is in my head i mean i know it's become kind of probably been discussed at nauseum but that was one thing that i always kind of it kind of added a little bit of character to the song uh, well again yeah. it's not that they just didn't do it and if they just did it in isolation it would be corny or cheesy but right. they use the steel guitar all over the album yeah mm-hmm. you're right so oh, it, it yeah. still fits it, it's again it's like the chorus was used all over the saxophone wasn't just used once and forgotten like they it everything here appeared many times and that's what makes it such a uh, a tied together concept right. i think that's what also like when you think about some of these songs that mental aspect is has been throughout the album you know, you've had a sense of it. And maybe this is the first or, or second song, maybe you could say, that really touches on, on like, directly the, that mental aspect. Um, so would it be the same album without it? You know, we say it's overplayed, and maybe we don't necessarily always want to reach for it. But would it, would it be a totally different album without the song? Probably. Yeah. Again, like I said, you have to have it. You have to have that self-realization moment. Yep. You have to have some point, Dark Side of the Moon, the lyrics need to be included somewhere in the songs. <laughs> like right. I just, and I appreciate that they bury it. You know, they don't need to come. It's an Iron Maiden singing Iron Maiden on the album Iron Maiden. Right, yeah. <laughs> They're more subtle than that. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And it is time to close this out. Uh, yeah, it's funny. This is kind of like a summary of everything that came before it. I mean, it kind of discusses all of the themes yeah, that you hear throughout the record. I mean, consumerism, social commentary, uh, social status, death, uh, et cetera, all that stuff. Uh, but again, just in these one word little verses. Uh, but uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Again, it's kind of more, again, a musical extension of brain damage. But again, it kind of summarizes the whole record in one, mm-hmm. two. What is it? About two and a half minutes long. 212 212 yeah Yeah, so uh so yeah so it's kind of like all right this is what we just got okay here's kind of a breakdown of what was kind of listened to today (laughs) yeah it's the cliff notes right again like um i mean if oklahoma opens with an overture it ends with oklahoma right like you just have to end it here and i don't think it's a great closer in terms of like all-time closer yeah i mean right. not like dire's eve or no it's know, it's um, it's anything like that yeah. but it, like it's it's a good closer for this album yeah it's weird because it's oh, a part i think it kind of fits uh, again like uh with speak to me and breathe i think again that this eclipse is a part of brain damage i think they're one uh kind of musical piece but i don't know why they separated them um well, but, and then yeah. ending the way speak to me started with the heartbeat and the right, heartbeats all right. over the album but you know it's right it's it so fitting that it ends the way it began yeah you're right yeah 
So yeah, I, I was just gonna agree. I, I'm just gonna. I was gonna say the same thing. It's like the the song is nothing crazy cool, and it, I wouldn't say it's like a favorite on the album, but it's it's more there because it has to be. It, it's it's yeah. it's like I don't know the word I'm trying to think yeah, of. You can't end with brain damage. You, exactly. It's like it's there for a purpose. It's a purpose piece. It's not something that it's like oh yeah I'm gonna go. If I want to listen to Pink Floyd, I'm going to put on Eclipse. It's just, it's like used for its purpose to wrap up the album. And I think that's kind of the only way it should really be analyzed. So, But here, as far as concept albums go, Queensryche, Operation Mindcrime, Eyes of a Stranger, amazing closer. Top five on closer its own. for me yeah. all time. <laughs> and it stands on its own. And it, it summarizes does. the album. And I know it was 15 years after this. It's a fifth. 16 years later, maybe. 15, it was 88, but again, 88, I think, yeah. Yeah, in 2020, we could listen to anything. So um, I feel like in a lot of ways, if they had closed with something that was more of a actual song, it would have been, you know, maybe even really, you know, not to say that there's a fault to this album because it sold so much and connect with so many people. But uh, in terms of me, you know, bumping it up from an eight to a little bit higher with an actual song at the end. So than cl- just a closing, coda. yeah, I was exactly going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, that is Dark Side. Uh, all right, Chris. Now uh, we go to seven for the buy. Take it away. First one, two, three. Correct. Yes. And gets an extra buy for their Spotify best of playlist of Pink Floyd, the definitive best of that covers a. Uh, a more than just the hits, but the deep cuts to help somebody really get into the band and understand their entire career. Uh, today, we're doing something a little special. Anybody who gets, uh, so first one who uh, gets a question wrong gets knocked out usually, but uh, if you get knocked out, uh, you may have to, if you were knocked out more than anyone else, you may have to terminate two of these songs, not just the required one per album. So being such a definitive album, it might be interesting to see the additional challenge of having to pick which two should never have existed on an album <laughs> that has sold millions and millions of copies. Do you know better than Pink Floyd? Let's find out. And you know what? Because, you know, I, I know, Chris, you prepared a lot for this and you got a lot of questions. Why don't we make it special? You got to bomb out twice before you're gone. OK, and the first one to bomb out twice is forced to take on an extra T. OK, that's so, fine. All right. Let's take it away. There All right. Go. Okay. So again, uh, yeah. Question one: True or false? Uh, the band was not initially happy with the original live demo version of "On the Run." Jeez, <laughs> I know a lot about this album, but I'm not sure they had a live demo version. Here we go. Oh, I think that was oh, Kev. That was Kev, right? You got lucky. I hope. All right, Kev. I literally yeah. my thing wasn't right. on. I was like yeah, yeah. pressing the I, I buzzer and it didn't work. This, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the band was not happy with the original demo version. True, you are correct. Damn yes. it, that's what I was yeah, gonna say. Right. Uh, we're not happy with the original because yeah, initially there was there was work. yeah there was no uh, synthesizer. It was all a guitar, and they felt that the guitar playing was kind of uh, amateurish, I guess. So they scrapped it and then redid it once they found that uh, synthesizer into a completely different song. Nice. All right, that's mm-hmm. one for Kev. Okay. All right, here was one I was saving because again, uh, with our deep discussion on the great gig in the sky, uh, why did she sing like that? Well, all right, okay, true <laughs> or false? Um, according to vocalist Claire Torrey, who was the singer on that song, when she was brought in to sing on the great gig in the sky, she said the band struggled to come up with lyrics and just told her to sing whatever she felt. True or false? 
Yes, Mark. Um, I, 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 I think that the answer to that is true, and the reason why I'm going to say that. Well, what's what's? Give me it. What is that right or wrong? No, that's wrong. Yeah, it's false. Actually, it's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but but she sued and she got songwriting. No, yeah, she said they it. specifically did not want any vo- lyrical vocals at all. Yeah, they weren't struck. They, 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 they question. Were, yeah, it was a trick question. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so she just started singing almost <laughs> nasty. Yeah. Sneaky question two. Three throwing out the right. curveballs. So Mark, uh, you're okay. You're still in here. You got one more. <laughs> I'm gonna give you an O on here. So I uh, just okay. kind of an aside too. I mean, like the fact that you know, like I know she was just paid as a studio musician for this work, and it be- went on to become this massive thing. But right. like, why did she get songwriting credit for this again? She had to fight like, for it. I think that she was the shrieked over it. Like, yeah. I mean, did Dick Perry get songwriting <laughs> credit for his sax player? That is a way bigger part yeah. of. I don't know. Like, it just seems like one of those things that they're just like paying him, paying her to go yeah, away. There were a lot of there were a lot of session people that were brought in. So yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Maybe I'm biased because I just don't like her. <laughs> give that money to dick perry he deserves it okay hold on let me make sure i'm yeah, i wish i could have done these in order but i uh you kind of just put, pick them as you go along um all right uh next question true or false uh according to roger waters nick mason had to fight to get his soul uh, uh writing cr- uh, contributions speak to me on the record yes mark damn it my freaking horn doesn't work <laughs> I'm not sure because Chris pulled out the rug under me once, but I don't know about the fight part, but I'm pretty sure that Rogers gave it to Mason as a gift and later regretted it. You are correct. Yeah. Wow. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, he knocked down and out. Right. Yeah. After yeah, after the breakdown in the relationship, yeah, he regretted it. Cause yeah, I guess Nick had nothing to do with the song. I guess they just gave it to him just to give him some, just throw him a bone, some I guess. Money. <laughs> I guess the opposite of Michael Anthony. Somebody so. not pulling their weight. Wait, yeah. Which, yeah, that kind of surprised me. I didn't, uh, I know he gets kind it's of... not just us. Right, yeah, I yeah. guess. The uh, band. They know what's going on behind those, that kickback there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Playing a little too much bong and not enough practice in the toms. <laughs> Put down the bong and Somebody's figure out over. some new fills. Somebody's Rogers uh, peering over the cymbals when he's hearing okay. stuff. Okay, like all right. <laughs> yeah. All right, here is a... Uh, Dropping his sticks. Yeah, here might be a scorched earth uh, multiple choice question. Um, All right. uh, A version of Us and Them was originally scored but later held for which of the movies Pink Floyd was involved in? Uh, Was it A, La Valley? Or the B, was it Zabrisk's Point or whatever? Alex. I'm going to go with the Zabrisk's. You are correct. Mm -hmm. Boom, baby. Oh, wow. There we go. Good thing I have 20 questions. All right. (laughs) (laughs) We're all tied at one. All right. Uh, I'm going to wait a three. Okay. That was good. I wasn't sure. Uh, That was going to be my kind of sudden death question, but but, uh, okay. Uh, We're we're looking good. We're on it. All right. Uh, True or false? Uh, The backup vocalist on the songs Us and Them, Brain Damage, and Eclipse, uh, Hit it off uh, so well with the band, they were utilized later on future Floyd albums and sol- uh, solo projects. True or false? I've already got a bomb out. I don't know if I'm going to I, I be know. cautious this, with my trigger finger here. This is hard because obviously that style was used. I don't know if they hit it off, though, with these specific people. Yeah, who wants to take oh. a stab? <laughs> I guess t- I'm going to take a, a stab. Okay. Um, yes. I get the feeling that Pink Floyd wasn't too hitting it off like with the 
studio musicians, considering that they didn't get along too well with the orchestra on Adam Hart Mother and kind of were made fun of. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with True on that one. Um, wait, wait, you just... He, it well, you mean, true, you mean fo- true or false? Yeah, you were setting oh, yourself up okay, for... So yeah. That they did not work together in the future. Okay, so okay, yeah, false. false. They did not get... You are correct. Yeah, the back of vocals... All right! Yeah, okay, yeah, they... <laughs> Yeah, they say it away from that tea. Yeah, I don't want that extra tea. Yeah, they uh, they said that uh, yeah the band was very cold and standoffish, and that they were happy to leave when they were done with their vocals. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of just like in and out. All right, good. Okay, Mark's went away. Will he take it? Yeah, he's uh, earning his scars today. Um, if I get one wrong, I gotta face that double T. Right. Okay. Um. All right. Uh, true or false? Uh. Uh, Pink Floyd were not the first band to utilize the album title. True or false? Uh, Alex got yeah, that one. Yeah, he got it. Uh, that answer is true. They were not the first ones. You are correct. Uh, yeah, it was a band called uh, Medicine Head. Uh, but when their album flopped, yeah, the Floyd uh, were able to get it, I guess. <laughs> it was such a commercial disappointment, yeah, that it just kind of disappeared and the uh, Pink Floyd was able to scoop it up. But uh, nothing, that was kind of an interesting thing to be confused by. <laughs> right, yeah. Nobody ever confused this album with Medicine Head. Right, yeah. I'm like, yeah, who the hell is Medicine Head? Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, true or false? Uh, according to Alan Parsons in a Rolling Stone interview, uh, he praises the band for giving him so much credit on the album when they didn't uh, to others who were involved. True or false? Tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> you want me to repeat it again, just so you can? Uh... No, I, I, okay. I, I, I've got a bomb out to give right now. Okay. So I'm gonna, Pink Floyd doesn't seem like a band who likes to necessarily give credit, so I'm gonna say. Uh, I don't know the exact phrasing of the question, but oh. no, he did, that they did not give him a lot of credit. Right. So false. You are correct. Yeah. Yes. All right, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got the lousy personalities. I'm down Right, the yeah. Yeah. yeah, he said he still harbors resentment that the band and label continue uh, to try and publicly diminish his contributions, amongst others involved, where uh, the, uh, the band members made millions while the others didn't get any credit at all or, or weren't paid or only paid for the one session, which uh, 40 mm-hmm. plus years ago was usually not much <laughs> for, yeah. for, a, uh, for a session work. All right, so we're tied head and head, neck and neck. All right, this is getting interesting. All right, who will take the... Alex has how many? Alex has one? No, two. 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 Everybody's tied at two. Two, two, two. And Mark, and Mark has, you've bombed out one, so you got one more. Uh, if you bomb out next time, you're uh, you're out, yeah. <laughs> Mark's you're walking out. a thin line. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, uh, true or false, uh, Roger Waters was adamant about singing brain damage, overruling Dave's insistence that his voice suited the material better. True or false? Yes, Mark. <laughs> I don't know the answer, but I'm just going with true. <laughs> it's because it sounds like it. No, you're wrong. It's false. Oh, come oh, on. <laughs> there it is. He's forced. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, Dave had to persuade Roger to sing. Roger at this point was still not completely confident with his singing abilities. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. 
of course, that he also sung the entirety of A Saucer Full of Secrets. Right. Okay, so it's, ago, it's Alex and Kevin now. Who's going to get the buy? All right, well, we have to see. <laughs> this is getting... I'm glad we did this. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Um, true or false? Um, the album reached number one on the Billboard 200 in both Britain and America. These freaking yes. Billboard chart questions. Yes, Mr. False. Uh, it did. It did not reach number one in the UK. You are correct. Oh, and he Damn it. It. And Kevin sweeps. There we go. Ding, ding, ding. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blow up. <laughs> I honestly didn't know that answer. So that's right. uh, hey, I know you guys swear. I know you guys. Is it still the, the UK's biggest selling album that hasn't reached number one? Um, I think I think maybe I, I, I didn't look at that. Records. Yeah, but uh, that was good. Okay, I'm glad I uh, insisted on yeah, dragging <laughs> it out a little bit. All right, all so. right. So the results: I am forced to terminate two <laughs> songs, but I do not have to flush any if I do not want. And Chris, you also are probably going to be using your second buyer yes. terminate for the song. Oh yeah, album, definitely. Because you're 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 due up on that. Yes. And Kevin gets a second buy. So. Uh, a bit of uh, some interest to our uh, seminal love it or fludge it section. And so with that, Alex, take it away. Yep. And for listeners that may be uh, joining us, this being their first Light the Sky podcast episode, uh, the terms are we, ha- we have to. It's part of the game. We've been doing it for 31 episodes now. I know Mark said this was episode eight. This is episode eight of the Pink Floyd series, but we've been doing this for 31 episodes where we have to buy a song that we would put on our I guess, our own Spotify playlist that we would give to somebody to kind of introduce them to to the band. We have to flush one. We have to terminate one. And we could say that we love them as well. So some listeners may think, how could you do that to such a pivotal album? It's part of the game. Bear with us, but it makes it fun. So tonight's order is going to be Chris, Kevin, Mark, and myself. Let's open it up with Speak to Me. Chris, what do you think? Uh, as far as an introduction to the album and kind of setting the tone, uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it a, a love. I think it's very important to the uh, to the record. Nice, Kev. Uh, I'm gonna agree with that. I, I I have to say it 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 pays off uh, after the fact. So I, I do yeah. like that. Nice, Mark. What do you think? You know, if I keep this one around, then I also have to keep Eclipse around. They're functionally the same. I stronger on one than the other and uh well the one that i'm stronger on is this one so i guess i'll give it a love and uh well we'll see what happens maybe i'll change my mind (laughs) yeah Yeah, i'm gonna give it a love as well i just i love how it opens up the record and i don't know i mean i guess maybe you could open the album with breathe but this just fades in so well and Mm -hmm. let's give a little credit to nick i i appreciated his work and this album, so I'll give him a little bit of credit for having a writing credit on this one, even though it's... Not really his. <laughs> Not really his. I'll give it to him. All right, track two, Breathe. Chris, what do you think? Uh, yeah, much bigger love. Uh, in combination with the previous track, I think, again, it just it continues. I mean, it's all, we're only in, at the start of it, uh, and, it's, uh, and it's firing on all cylinders. So, yeah, big love for me. Nice. Kev? Yeah, what, what, what a way to... Uh... If speak is kind of speak to me is just kind of like that that intro. This is a what a follow up to that. It's the the, the overture in a way. Agreed, Mark. Yeah, I mean, if there's a song that is quintessential Pink Floyd at their peak, I think this would be it. So, love. 
Well, I'm going to give it a love as well. How, how can you not? Absolutely classic. So, all right. And it's let's, short, too. It is. And yeah. that works for me, especially after, you know, some of those longer songs. It's, it's nice to have some short. I mean, what's the longest song in the albums? Like under eight minutes? I mean, yeah. nice. I appreciate it. They, they did it well here. So, all right. Let's bring it on over to track three on the run. Chris, what do you think? Uh, Yeah, you guys kind of helped me even more than before we started the show tonight. Because, uh, again, I wasn't really sure yeah, how to, but after kind of digging a little bit deeper into the, how it fits in the overall c- context, uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a love. Yeah, I have to admit, yeah, those pulsating beats do kind of get inside your head. Yeah, <laughs> as much as nice. I didn't want to admit it, yeah. <laughs> Kev? Oh, this is, this is tough. This is, <laughs> this is tough. I, I... I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to take a chance. I'm flushing this song. Oh wow! <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Alex, but I have four words for you. The dream is over. Oh. What, was, what, was was this revenge for that? <laughs> no. Please but I listen just, to uh, our uh, for our not our uh, fuck album. I, I, I hope that choice was actually on the song itself and not revenge. <laughs> That's not it, fair to Floyd. It was on the song itself. It, it unfortunately has to be done on this album. Um, something's got to be flushed, as as we said earlier. I, I really don't mind the song. I do feel like it's a little bit long. Uh, it's longer than the. It's almost as long, I think, as the first two combined. Um, yeah, I'm just. I'm gonna leave huh? it there. Kevin, right. you're talking me out of this one here. I, I, I'm just saying, like, you, you get the first two songs, and I know Speak to Me is just kind of an intro, and Breathe is iconic, and then you have On the Run, which is, it's is where, great as a piece, but it's also, I want, you know. It, no, I know. I wanted three, to flush it, but I, Three minutes and yeah. 40 seconds of, and yeah. it's, it's cool. It's cool, I, I but, feel like, now that you make that point, I feel like. They could have padded out Breathe a little bit and cut quite a bit from On the Run, made it more along the lines of a minute 13 piece. And mm-hmm. I don't have to flush something, so I don't have to do this, but I really don't think it is, you know, you got to flush something to make the strong one stronger. So, uh, yeah, pull the handle. Oh, you still have two T's to you. Yeah, I, I might be... Double T in and a flush tonight on the uh, on the dark side. Well, on one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. Hey, he's not kissing Bant's butts tonight. <laughs> well, go listen to the Kinks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We oh, will yeah. be. Thank you for the suggestion. Yeah, uh, thank you. we appreciate all. I, I still don't get. It, yeah, yeah I, I, <laughs> we didn't we didn't touch on that, but I guess we can <laughs> later on. I don't know. Ah, this one's tough. I really wish I won that trivia. I really did. <laughs> I wish I had two buys. Wow. No, I, I really next. do. <laughs> uh, and I don't have an instrumental piece yet on my playlist. <laughs> it sounds like somebody's talking himself into it. Like somebody's I, talking uh, himself into a penny stock. <laughs> You're going to buy it? Uh, I've loved this song for so long, and I just I know it's crazy to think like, you're gonna buy this I, when there's so many iconic landmark <laughs> songs, and I, I kind of want to just for that reason. 
And because I don't have an instrumental piece, but also, ah, if I had a second buy, absolutely I would do that. But, ah, God bless America. Alex, I have to say, it's getting I'm looking the strip. Yeah, where am I at? It would here? fit. Like, it would, I don't know. Like, I, I would agree, even if I don't personally like the song, that, I mean, you do not have an instrumental. You've picked a couple of the weird ones. You know, you've picked a couple of, you know, like, like, um, if you can consider Corporal Clegg a weird one, you bought. The Nile song, kind of punkish. Uh, the Narrow Way you bought, which is a standard Pink Floyd song. Summer 68, uh, the groupie song. You got One of These Days. You got Fearless. You've got The Gold. It's in the... And on the run, maybe? <sighs> I, just, I, 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 <laughs> I want I want to do it, but then people are going to... Uh, I shouldn't give a shit. With are, you, are you trying to build, a, build your <laughs> list based... Are you trying to build it based on variety? Like, you just want it to, like... It, yeah, and just because at, I've always loved this song for so... It's always, like, kind of been, like, one of my favorite parts yeah. that Floyd's ever done. And it's... I almost kind of want... It's like the underdog. I want to give it some... Yeah. I want to give it some what respect. You, Al- Alex is not a populist, feel. I guess. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, that, but then yeah. after I listen to this, I'm like, I feel like there's got to be something else. Ah! Screw it! Buy it! There we go. There we go. go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, one of the more interesting sequences, <laughs> uh, I guess, of uh, <laughs> we talk themselves out this... of it, into it, and then back out of it, and then into it. <laughs> I so love it so go. much. Screw it. Back, Stick around and listen back, to us hem and haw over what we should buy with imaginary money. Yep. All right. Let's move on over to time. Chris, what do you think? Uh, this is going to be my first buy of the uh, evening. Um, it was between this and uh, money, but I just think time has a much more kind of interesting structure, especially with the uh, shared vocals uh, between Rick and Dave. I just think are so unique. Um, and yeah, it's, it's in, again, the solo section. Yeah. Just, yeah. I know, I know money has it too, but I yeah, just, the one in t- time I think is a little bit more unique. So, all right, yeah. Kev? It is funny about having, even having two buys, how this debates on, <laughs> sometimes you have two buys and you're not sure what you're going to give your second buy to. In this case, you know, uh, boy, there's just so much you to pick from. Options. Yeah, but I am going to follow you up, Chris, and give this another buy. Nice. Pretty much for <laughs> the exact reasons you said. Right. Mark? Um. Yeah, I mean... I, one thing I do like about this, and I didn't touch on it in the track by track, but um, the fact that time and money are linked both structurally and both, you know, opening with the sound effects and all of Alan Parsons' work, recording and sampling and all that. Not, not an easy thing to do in 73, but um, it also kind of like thematically time and money are always, uh, you know, go hand in hand. Um, but, you know, would I buy one or the other? Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to give it a love. It's a great song. Nothing away from it uh, could be taken from me, for sure. Yeah, agreed. I mean, uh, absolutely monumental song. And one that, even though I've heard it a lot, uh, I feel like I've kind of appreciated it a little bit more after this, after listening to it quite a bit this last week. So very strong love for me. And then here we go. Moving on over to the end of side one, the Shrieker. Chris? Uh, yeah, I'm going to, uh, flush this one. <laughs> it's, it seems even based on the, uh, on what Claire Tory said, it didn't even really seem like they were kind of, seems like there wasn't as much kind of emotional investment as some of the other material on here. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to follow suit and kind of, yeah, yeah, not, uh, emotionally invest in it as well. <laughs> 
All right. And let's move it on over to Kevin on this one. Uh, going into this, I, I thought this was just going to get a, a, a warm squeeze or, or some kind of love. I, I don't know. Well, I, I wasn't expecting all you all the trash this. And I know we should. <laughs> we took necessi- it out to the dump. I, I know we shouldn't necessarily beating. <laughs> we shouldn't be swayed necessarily that much, but that's why we have discussion. That's the point. Um, oh man, Kevin, I, I already marked you down for a flush. Just pull the handle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's inevitable. All right, fine. <laughs> Janitor's waiting outside before the guy even pulls the handle. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I was listening to this and I'm like basically like a perfect album, maybe minus like one song in my opinion. And it's like, how do you really get rid of anything on this? And I'm like, oh man, I got you because it's part of the game. And I, this was kind of the one that I thought of at first. I'm like, I, I don't, there's nothing wrong with it. It's kind of like an iconic song, and but it's like not a favorite. So I'm like, eh. and then just you guys jumping on it made me feel a little bit better about my decision I had earlier today. So yeah, give it the flush. <laughs> so. And yeah, does Mark have his finger on the button? Yeah, not not not, not the, the flusher. Great, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to quote the great James May, this song is a pub. I don't think I hate this song. I really the, 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 the song title is better than the music. Like that's rare too. Like I don't I don't know what this is doing on such a iconic album. It just feels like a again. It feels like a joke. Yeah. And and is there a reason it could end with time? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I just didn't uh, feel like like they could have fleshed out "Breathe" a little more because that's such a great yeah. song. Like, yeah. You know, that would two forty three probably doesn't do enough justice. Yeah. That would have been a hell of a uh, run. Yeah, time, money, and us and them all like one after the other. Yeah, that would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might, have, yeah. might have boosted the score Talk a little about bit. A one two three punch. Yeah. All right, let's flip the record over and put on money. Chris, what do you think? Uh, giving this a big love, even though it was slightly a little less, uh, 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 as far as how much I love time, but yeah, you still got to give it the love here. As far as the grittiness, uh, yeah, D- uh, Dave's guitar playing is much more guttural, which funny enough should have given it the buy for me, but I just, it was more of just kind of a little bit more stock than time was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cup. Yeah, I'm not gonna flush childhood memories. This this song grooves, it struts, it's got the tood. Damn right. Um, yeah, big, big love from me. <laughs> yeah, Mark, what do you think? Um, you know, when it comes to time versus money, I probably go with money just because of the groove. It just it's too good. Um, so give it a strong love. Right. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I mean, you can't get rid of this. And obviously, such an overplayed song. You think, if anything, it's like, oh, I've heard it so many times. I don't need it. But uh, it's still, you, you can't deny it. It's fantastic. So strong love for me. It's like and- it's like Judas Priest's Breaking the Law. Like, you've heard it a million times, but there's just something about when that chorus comes on, you're like, Breaking the Law, Breaking the Law. And yeah. when this bass riff comes on, you just can't help just go, you subliminally reach over to the guitar, the bass yeah. nearby, and just groove along with it. Like, yeah. It's, 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 oh, it's, it's fantastic. So much staying Mind power. control. It is. 
All right, let's move it on over to track seven, Us and Them. Chris? Uh, this is going to be my very strong buy. If I only had, if I only would have had one, this would have been the one. Uh, the one. Yeah, this is just, uh, like Mark said, it's, it's, a, it's a musical journey across uh, yeah, many different planes. And being a ballad and the types of kind of topical uh, uh, lyrics yeah, that Roger chooses, yeah, it's just a great song. Yeah. All right, Kev? Well, Chris and I are on the same wavelength today. This was going to be my one buy. Luckily, I got the second. Um, and just big shout out to that kick the door down saxophone solo. Oh, yeah. Mark? Yeah, it's almost getting boring at this point. But yeah, <laughs> I would empty my bank account to buy this song. I would take out a loan. I would use a store credit card with 26.99% interest to buy this song because this song might be the strongest buy yeah. in the entire Light the Sky catalog. Maybe Dreams. Yeah, I bought Dreams. Okay, yeah. And yeah. I think that that might be as close to the peak of Van Halen as this is to the peak of Pink Floyd to me. There's still great Pink Floyd to come, no doubt about it. This isn't even my favorite Pink Floyd album. But uh, yeah, this is just, this is incredible song. Absolutely. And I, like I said, I wish I had two buys because it's going to sound weird, but this would have been my first buy if, if I had it. And I kind of had a feeling just through the discussion that this was going to be the song. And that's why I kind of wanted to be the oddball and pick the underdog with On the Run. Uh, so I just did that for, for good fun. But yeah, I mean, I, such a great song. Absolute yeah. strong love. I mean, I mean it, basically a buy, but I didn't have the second buy, so there you go. <laughs> and that's why I told that story during that song, because it's a song that's so strong, you want to pass it down mm-hmm. yeah. to your family. Like, it's it's that strong of a song. Yep. Like, if we were making a Light the Sky playlist with just buys, like, I would Dreams and Us and Them would be side by side. Uh, yeah. Sure. All right, let's move it on over to track eight. Chris, any color you like? Um, did I flush or terminate the great gig? You uh, gave it the flush, handle. Right? Okay, yeah, okay. Was, then um, as much as I like the funky grind of this, it's too much of a kind of a throwaway, so I got to terminate it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it was funny. I wanted to throw this in because it was one of my questions, but I figured, it, I mean, there were more interesting questions to ask. But I guess, yeah, this kind of was a uh, almost like a throwaway. Like they had some sp- like empty space left on the, um, uh, on the uh, tape and uh needed to fill it with something so they just started randomly jamming and this is what kind of came out of that yeah which i was that that makes total sense it does yeah so that's why i gotta at least with the great gig it's kind of a weird thing yeah that kind of has a little bit of kind of there is a little bit of meaning in it but here this just feels like again like we said earlier it feels like intermission music for the stage hands to do their yeah (laughs) the lights have come the lights have come up my head kind of hurts i'm tired of sitting my butt hurts yeah the lights have have come up but not but not for not not for the song yeah the lights have been snuffed out yeah (laughs) (laughs) cab will will you be joining him uh yeah uh yes yes there's (laughs) there's nothing much to say Uh, chris is stealing my thunder i I can't even come up with a quip just drop it (laughs) just drop it does nothing yeah, this was one of those songs where it was the like the one on the album that I going into this week's list, and I'm like, that's kind of the one song on the album I don't know. Yeah, this and, is the, yeah. Uh, it's for good reason. Give it the T. <laughs> 
This is the one, Alex, where when we were talking during the week, I'm like, yeah, this, you know, I'm pretty sure I know which song. Yeah. Oh, and I knew, I knew exactly yeah. too, because <laughs> it was, it, it's kind of like an obvious one. And don't get me wrong, like objectively, it's not bad. There's some cool stuff going on, Great but idea. with everything else around yeah. it, it's kind of the obvious clunker. But any other album, it'd be probably. Pretty all right. Right. So, yeah. It's a yeah. yeah great. Uh, uh, great ideas that are wasted. Yeah. I think that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I feel like this is the exact type of song that somebody would just pump up because it's on this album, and they would just be like, you know, like the college freshman who just discovered Pink Floyd for the first time, and just like, yeah, any color that's so deep. They're commenting on YouTube on how incredible this song is, and it really just is, uh, you know, and. and and it's just a show of opinions. So like, but it really does not stand up to the rest of the album. And it really is just a, a, uh, a lewd, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even, even <laughs> I mean, even on the run. I mean, I think kind of even casual Pink Floyd fans know that opening kind of pulsating scent. Oh, yeah. yeah, that that that, 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 so. that that is dark side. That's a dark side feel and theme. Is even though I fleshed it. I mean, you can't you can't argue it that it kind of weirdly yeah. fits in the narrative. Yeah. Anyway, pull the handle. Okay. Oh, pull the handle. Yeah, sorry, pull I keep going handle. out of order. Wait, have pull you... Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I... I... Wait, I went out of yeah, I went out of order there. I accidentally jumped in front of Mark. It was supposed to be Mark then me, but it's oh, that's okay. I'm so we're, we're excited to push we're, the button. We're, we're yeah. all we're all contemplating what's going on here, and uh, Mark's going to give us some some fun. So keep <laughs> going, Alex. Yeah, let's move it on over to track nine. Brain damage, Chris. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a great iconic track. Again, probably like Mark said, overplayed, but. Uh, he, yeah, I, I, I got to give it the love. This is the first song I remember, I think, hearing off of this record uh, as a youngin. Uh, so I got to I got to keep it uh, keep it alive for the moment. Sure. I know. Kev? It's, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Overplayed. Um, I guess that that I always thought that, that pillow of winds kind of deal finally <laughs> panned out for them. You know, when it came here, um, <laughs> necess- I feel like it's necessary for the album, too. So give it a love. Yeah. Mark. Uh, for those reasons, give it the T. <laughs> oh, okay. Do <laughs> it. Do it. Yeah. I, I, I can't listen to this song anymore. So when I say being eliminated from their career, uh, I know it is like I'm kind of, well, I don't think it's their apex in, in my opinion, but it's their moment of self-realization and there's some, I don't know, some annoying things to come from that self-realization uh, for sure from a certain member of the band more than others, but we'll get there. So uh, I guess yeah. for that, I don't, I don't, th- I, don't alone, I don't think that's uh, Mr. Mason either. No, no. I think I'm going to let up on Mr. Mason going well, forward and focus I, my attention elsewhere. <laughs> I, I, I forgot, and, and I don't know if this is what you were hinting at, Mark, but I forgot to mention this during the track by track, but something about this song more than anything else on the record I don't know if it's an obvious thing or not, but like this song points to the wall, in my opinion, more than like anything. Like, I feel like I could hear Mm -hmm. this on the wall. And is that kind of maybe what you were getting at? How it kind of points to another. Okay, we're heading that direction. I I don't think we've heard like remember when we heard um, Saucerful Saucerful and we're just like, yeah, David Gilmore or we're here in high hopes. You know, we didn't really hear a lot of like Rogers early stuff was very like Corporal Clegg or, you know, English folky and just yeah. not very connected to what he would be doing later. And I think it's starting to come out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm still going to give it uh, a love. I mean, not one of my favorite songs, Alan, but I did 
after the last episode, Metal, I immediately, that Sunday night, I'm like, I'm in the mood to watch the classic albums, Dark Side of the Moon. And there's a bit where they talk about the song and length and Rogers playing out on acoustic and kind of made me like it a little bit more. So yeah. yeah, I'll give it a love. All right. And then we'll wrap it up with final song on the album, Eclipse. Chris, let's wrap uh, it up. What do you think? Yeah, just kind of more of a stock love. I mean, I can't think of the record without thinking of this ending the record i mean again it's, it yes. kind of summarizes yes. everything it's very strong it's kind of it's, it feels like an end credit yeah to uh to uh, some epic movie which yes i mean this is a concept record so yeah this is a great way to end the concept uh yep kev yeah yeah you you can't say that this song doesn't have the grandeur necessary to close out this album yeah so i uh, give it a love yep mark what do you think um, well, again, like I said, if I kept speak to me, I have to keep this, although then I threw a, a, a wrench into it and uh, flushed or flushed any color you like and terminated brain damage. So I don't know how you have an album that uh, ends with us and them and then somehow goes into Eclipse. So I don't know. It's kind of like that. Uh, what was that Van Halen uh, duo? Um, how, how to have intruder, but not pretty woman. <laughs> eclipse, outside or you can't have eclipse but not brain damage. Um, I, I, you know, I always thought of them too as the same song because they were seamless. Um, and, uh, I don't know, like, I, I feel like this is the better part of brain damage, maybe because it isn't so overplayed. So if we're going to consider them as brain damage and eclipse is the same song, I will keep them. But if I can separate them, I will terminate one and I will keep eclipse as the love part of okay. the love hate relationship. Did, did you use both your terminates or just one? No, I, I terminated yeah. Great Gig in the Sky. You did, okay. I couldn't remember. Don't forget my hate for that song. Right, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, we don't. We don't forget it. <laughs> no, I, I agree uh, very much with Chris as well. I mean, coming into it, I was thinking about giving this one a flush, honestly. But then I'm like, it, 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 yeah, you're right. It's the end of like an epic movie. And it's kind of essential and you need it there. So for that, it'll give the love for me. Yeah. So yeah, that'll wrap it up with Love It or Flush It tonight. Yeah, interesting to see the way the stats are developing, too, on our Pink Floyd love. Uh, Chris has blown by me. Now it's 61%, and I only have 55%. Alex is creeping up at 53 and Kevin's still, oh, 43%. You got some work to do to uh, uh, really appreciate the Pink Floyd catalog. because I'm glad yeah, they still their have ears more albums. Uh, <laughs> pulling right, that yeah. handle, and the janitor was uh, breaking out the... The cone. All <laughs> uh, well, the candles Kevin was pulling on the Sid era. Yeah, but yeah. That's uh, that's Dark Side of the Moon. Um, you know, Chris likes to uh, make sure we get our changes in scores, and I want to too because I am moving this one down. I do not think this album lives up quite to the hype. Um, it certainly has some filler. Um, to say the least, and some of that filler is extremely annoying filler. Um, and maybe I'll find out, maybe I'll regret this because I might move on to albums that I think are great, but then on uh, a revisit aren't that great. But you know, I'll just I'll just throw it out there. Wish You Were Here has always been my favorite Pink Floyd album. I feel like this is not the apex of their career. It doesn't deserve the raves that it get. I don't care how many T-shirts at Target move through the inventory. Look, I got my I, I got my I got my pyramid down. shirt here. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That's, not, uh, that's not the standard issue. Right. One, yeah. This was actually I suppose, a but uh, the one off yeah, that I found. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel bad going yeah. as low as a seven, but I gotta go down to a seven point five. Okay. Anyone else got any changes? Uh, I'm gonna stick with eight because uh, again, there were only two songs on here, and it's the other yeah, ones. Yeah, I got rid of. Yeah, I, which I think there are ten songs on here, right? Yeah. 
There are two. Yeah, so I guess yeah, that kind of didn't, mathematically. Chris, didn't you give it a nine or no? No, no I gotta give it an eighty. I'm gonna stick with an eight. eight yeah. Okay. Alex, yeah. Kevin, holding it, holding it honestly, I might. Hmm. Because technically, I did get rid of the great gig in the sky. But there is still somewhat of that song that I do like, so I'll give it an 8.5. I'll drop it down a half point. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right, Kev. Kevin. I'm going to stick to where I'm at. Okay. Oh, so you're going to be the lone one at the peak there. Everyone's kind of retreated, I, I, and you're I holding am. high ground. I, I'll stay here. I, I, I don't think the magic has, has seeped out of this album. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. How about the thirty seconds? And the best thirty seconds. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm gonna. Chris, sounds like you're ready for a vote. What do you got? Uh, I had the uh, in money the uh, one of the solo sections. Saxon of the guitar. Uh, at four thirty, uh, the solo section. Um, uh, Kevin, if you can cue that up. <laughs> oh, you gotta have some vocals in there though, oh, because okay. you gotta find a thirty seconds that's that's got that. Do we do we have something with a vocal like Dave vocal that goes into the solo? Oh, we could stretch it out maybe. I'm just saying we can't end it there. Okay, we have to. Well, have I don't know. Money. Yeah, whatever the vocal oh, going into that section, whatever that wherever that starts. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'd like to nominate. Well, there's breathe. a whole sax section yeah. before that, I, I, so. and yeah. I would like to nominate breathe too. I mean, even just the the intro of it with the scream, you know, from scream on. So that is a, oh, a little bit what of speak a way to, me. to open up a podcast. I mean, it, I think, breathe. yeah, I mean, I, I just because it money yeah, is the vocals much don't come in up, for a minute in that song, though. That's yeah. true. I mean, but it, it just money is much more up tempo. Like what else in this song reaches the intensity of money? Are you talking about Everything what, else what is else a little bit more down tempo yeah. and a little bit more in that Pink Floyd serene box where breathe i think exemplifies that again that jukebox image that spinning record yeah that's true that, that's what that's what i feel like that is a 30 seconds like as much that's as I, I probably like the money 30 seconds better is like i would reach for that first yeah but in terms of what represents this album i think there is this the the scream of speak to me into the opening of breathe maybe we bridge the two songs yeah that's i guess you could say it's it's definitely the more unique than uh than money i mean it's yeah because yeah I mean, that's just dave doing yeah Waylon dave <laughs> uh we're, we're the first 30 seconds of that yeah okay <laughs> yeah that's that's a tough one <laughs> I will admit, I mean, you definitely think more dark side, like the album itself, when you hear that, because yeah, that, that, that's the spacey kind of, uh, 
if you want to say Ellis. Can we stretch it out to those opening lyrics that I like so much? The breathe, breathe <laughs> can, in the yeah, air. Can we, can we break our rules a little bit? Yeah, just to satisfy, satisfy <laughs> our needs. Like, does, it take, does it take a minute? <laughs> Comes in at 120. Yikes. <laughs> and here, like, when I hear that again, too, like, that, that riff is so superior to brain damage, in my opinion. I agree, yeah. So, yeah. Alex, you got any uh, thoughts on the high no, points? No, not really. Um, honestly, I, I don't know what I would pick on here because there's just so much, so many iconic pieces. But what did we end up going with? We think uh, uh, either that Dave solo section in Money or the uh, or that kind of beginning part of of uh, Breathe with the guy with I that think, string. I like Breathe. Yeah. Honestly, I think I do. Once Kevin said, "What a way to open up the podcast," I, I'm like, "Yeah." yeah. That kind it's of definitely more Pink Floyd, definitely than uh, than the yeah. than Money is. I mean, Money, yeah, it's well, yeah. As much as I love that song, stretch it out this one time and it was our our, yeah. our, 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 our one t- our one time discography thirty <laughs> second stretch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's forty five <laughs> seconds. Sue us. It's a two hour show. It's, it's our so it's our show. We can do it. Yeah, we will break in the room. Yeah. Sample what we like. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think that wraps it up. That wraps up uh, another cornerstone album, another cornerstone podcast from Light the Sky. And uh, hope you'll stick around because we got Wish You Were Here coming up next. Album number nine for Pink Floyd. And they're just starting to get going. Uh, my favorite Pink, uh, Pink Floyd album, personally. I think, Chris, uh, you mentioned that yeah. this is also a favorite of yours. This is going to be a tough one. Um, yeah. <laughs> Alex, Kevin, what's your familiarity level with this one? Uh, pretty high for myself. Yeah. yeah, let I me go. I mean, well. obviously, I know the uh, hits on it, and yeah, I think I uh, got through it all at one point. Oh man, there are some freaking titans of songs on this yeah, album. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. this, 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 this is actually going to be a fun one to go back and listen to all the way yeah. through. I think I'm going to have some fun with this one. So yeah, and we might have a special guest. We might bring somebody on uh, for the first time. Nice. Uh, for uh, the Light Sky podcast, get the uh, fans of the show on here. You know whether they're uh, um, you know musically oriented or not, or whether they're uh, just you know fans that just want to talk some Pink Floyd with us. We think we'll open it up, uh, being that it is a five song album. We'll have some extra room to talk, and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy that format. We'll see how it goes, and we'll see you next time. Wish you were here. <laughs>